I'm your certified qualified host, Steve Lucky Luciano. And as always, on my right, I have Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, elegant barbarian, Southern California, come here to scare all the women and children. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And as usual, on my left, Sean Lewis, certified audio professional and engineer for the show. Money! Listen, before we get further into this, if you didn't hear the first part of the Esteban Oriol show that we recorded last week, yeah, you need to stop what you're doing right now. Go listen to that, right? and then you're about to listen to the second half. I mean, and second if you're half. not familiar with Esteban Oriol, this is the guy that created the L.A. Fingers images you've seen for the last 20 years that depict Los Angeles. I mean, this guy created that icon. Did everything from manage Cypress Hill, House of Pain, toured the world, has taken pictures of every hood from Afghanistan to Iran to Tokyo, Los Angeles, built lowriders, photographer, LA photographer extraordinaire. This guy is was an extraordinary guest what this guy has seen and captured in his camera. That's him That's him um, taking a, taking pictures in Afghanistan. Pictures. No, that's him in Afghanistan in the, in the <laughs> war zone, t- listening to pictures, taking pictures while there's life. Unbelievable. Look out, Esteban, look out. Look out, man. Get down, get down. Get down. So we're going to pick it up because that was a long, you cannot put a timer on this guy's life and what, right. he, what everything he's done. So the show exceeded our timelines. We broke it into two so that you guys could hear it all. So let's stop talking about it. Let's get back to it. Let's let's listen to the show, you guys. So without further ado, let's get to number it. Number two. Esteban Oreo, part two. Remember Polly B fainted? Yeah, Polly B was we were sitting together <laughs> and he was he it was like a can, right? Right, he's he, using a he can. He made like a uh, a pipe out of a can that they brought us a soda with. On a plane. So he's smoking the weed and he's like bending down and tucking like his head down by the by the window and he's like blowing it out on the floor and you could just smell weed like over the whole right. plane. And who are they gonna look at? <laughs> right. The families, the Japanese people. It's all no. Japanese people or and like us five. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you guys are sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, and he's blowing weed in the on the on the plane, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" And he goes, "Hey, I don't feel so good." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I need to get up." And I was like, "All right, we'll get up. You know, go ahead." And so I get up and I move, and he gets into the aisle. As soon as he gets in the aisle, he passes out and falls on the floor. And, and I the get, whole plane and I, shakes. And I get back, <laughs> I get back in my seat, and I'm like kicking his feet, going, "Hey, man, like." Play it off, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Fucking over here laying on 
the floor and shit, and he wakes up. He's like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And I go, man, you're blowing it, Holmes. Like, you're going to get us fucking You guys, had, you guys had the even gotten to coming, Japan. Hey, the you guys had coming out of the front, bro. They put it on autopilot. They're hey. trying to resuscitate the hey, guy You can the take aisles. the guy out the hood, but you know what they say. Yeah, so right. he's over there passing out, doing the fish on the floor, and we're like, oh, come on, man, pay it off. Fucking idiot. <laughs> like, let us get to Japan at least. Yeah, like, you're fucking... Already, the whole plane smells like weed. We're the only ones that you could fucking think have the fucking weed. And now he's doing the fish on the floor. Right. And we're, I was like, hey, get up, fool. You're fucking... Man, we're going to get caught. Yeah. And sure enough, the people are coming back. Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, what is that smell? You know, they're like, oh, we don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you, know, you don't like, know. There's some, some shit's burning. Wires are burning or some shit. <laughs> Look at the, for the first dinner we go to, the distributor takes wait, us wait, out. Wait, 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 wait. We're good to that. I'm, we're, we're still on the... We haven't even okay. landed in Tokyo. Godzilla's about to fly in from L.A. to Tokyo. I can feel it. <laughs> All right, so tell me what. So then what? So they come back and you're like, hey, it must be some wires burning. No, I was like, I don't know. Maybe it smells like, you know, some wires burning or something like that. So they, they get him like uh, cold water and all that shit. And, <laughs> and he sits next to me, sits back down. I go, man, you fucking, I can't believe it. One little hit and you pass out. Like, this <laughs> weak shit, you know? He's like, shut the fuck up. Fuck you. And I go, oh, wait till the homies hear this one back home. Oh, fucking, good thing he's passed away. You know, he, we'd be embarrassing him and yeah, shit. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But fucking, um, he was a funny, he was... To this day, he's one of the top five funniest people I've ever met in my life. Yes. Like, everything yes. he did was funny as fuck. <laughs> Even if it was, like, the most gangster shit or the, the most, like, God. great business deal, God. it was funny as fuck. Like, yeah. he would make everything funny. I like, love that. I don't God. know, man. That's one thing, like, I, I miss about him is... All his Polly B. It was kind of like his life. He he like lived life like as if it was a fucking movie, like a comedy movie. Like he just <laughs> didn't really give a fuck. Like right. he he. I don't know, bro. But this guy, he's just so much with that guy, bro. There's so many stories. Dude, I but we I, get, we I, I met. The... Hold on, I met Polly B once. Oh yeah, at your store on Melrose. Yeah, it was our store. You had some kind of store. Wasted youth. Wasted you story. Wasted yeah, you. yeah, that was our story and together. He was my partner. Right. And you took me in the back to meet him, and you were like, this is Chumahan. And he looked at me like, who the <laughs> fuck are you? Like, he looked at me like, and, and then you go, I'm going to take him over to Mastro's. And he looked at me, and he's like, man, that guy ain't ready for Mastro's. You might want to take him to Fleming's first or something like that. And, like, I was new, and I couldn't say anything. So I was like, man, fuck that guy. What's it probably be? What did I do to you, man? <laughs> I've never forgotten Wally that in my entire life. Then he got on a fucking motorcycle, took off, and I was like, man. man. But anyway, okay, so listen. So you guys, so did you guys actually make it off the plane in Japan? Did that actually yeah. happen? Oh, we had a Did Japanese plan. police take you guys away in cuffs no. or anything? No, no. You, so you no. made it through? Yeah, we made it through. We, we, Obviously before 9-11. Oh, way. <laughs> way before that. But it was one thing. One thing was that Polly beat was just something every minute with that guy. Our first... We go out to our first dinner with the distributor. Yeah. And it's one of those sushi places where you grab the plate. Yeah. It's a, ro it's a rotating a plate. rotating one, right? They're right. on a belt going around the, the table. And at the end, you've got a stack of either blue plates <laughs> or red plates, right? Right. They and they take them all up, right? And yeah. you That's how you pay. Right. So Polly B, he isn't even paying. It's our distributor paying. <laughs> this guy's just such a thief at heart. He starts <laughs> tucking in his shirt. 
he starts stuffing all these plates down <laughs> in his shirt under this big Ben jacket, you know? Right. Everybody's grubbing, everybody's rugging, and when we go to go pay, Polly's fat ass walks up with like, like two, one, <laughs> one or two, like plates. two plates. Everybody else has 20. He's like, I'm, yeah. I'm on a diet. So, so this it's fucking hysterical. So the guy starts accusing him of something. And he's like getting mad. <laughs> and the bus boy comes out. And like the next thing you know, somebody grabs a hold of his jacket and all the plates come flying yes. out at the front door of this. It is I'm surprised they didn't call the cops right then, bro. <laughs> that must have I mean, dude, you just got done telling me about a people who won't even step outside a line to have a cigarette. Man. And all of a sudden, here are these monsters from LA and one guy's trying to steal fucking sushi blue plates and getting caught that must have blown their mind and then he rolled a couple sailors right yeah <laughs> rolled a couple sailors <laughs> at some bar <laughs> he was just doing the, the most everywhere yeah. we go he did the most yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i love that yeah. with everything um so so okay so wait a second so this so wait steve now you haven't even been out of the country at this point Right, like before, like ma in a major way. So when you land in Tokyo, are is your are you tripping? Like, is your mind like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's just crazy. But like I said, um, it was it was nuts. It was crazy. It was just completely different. And then, what was it like being the biggest dudes in the fucking crowd? Because I mean, just the biggest dudes in the crowd, bro. Everybody's yeah, everybody's kissing our ass. We're getting treated like celebs. Um. There was a lot of connections that Estevan had had prior to touring there with DJs and club promoters and just like there was an extra level of like in that we had. Nice. You know? And uh, it was great. We 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 had we had a great time in Japan. It was one of uh, many trips that we made. That was our distributor there. We did a lot of business, but we came back and uh, me and Estevan put together a trade show with Not Guilty. Okay. We didn't even do a big trade store. I think we took we took it to like a some kind of convention. Yeah. And Everlast had thrown some money at us. We made this big sample line. We go to a trade show with our brand, Not Guilty, and we ended up writing like in excess of $100,000 in purchase orders. Holy shit. Like, uh, like everybody kicks. wanted this shit. We had no idea it was going to be as big as we thought. Right. And uh, we needed then to produce these goods. And uh, we didn't know to go get a business loan or to tell Eric's management to go get us some money. And he was like, I don't have that much money to produce these goods. And it was just like, I don't know, man. We just didn't have the money to go forward. And I, me and Polly, yeah, had figured out a way to come up with the money. And uh, what was that creative? What was <laughs> that, that? What was that creative financing? It was a, it was a, it was an armed robbery. It was. <laughs> and I have my boy over here uh, as uh, keeping an eye out across the street while the whole thing was going down. No, but and but I, I say that I say that because I ended up going to prison um, on a creative financing on a creative charge. Financing charge. Now I go to prison. Let's check this out. I go to prison, and as I go to prison, Esteban's now kind of like coming back from a lot of touring. He's doing like touring within the States somewhat, but it's like now he's starting to take a lot. Photography seemed like it started to take, proceed and take hold. Now, I take off for prison, and me and him have a brand going on. Right, just and, and when it's I tell popular. You, when it's I popular. tell you that this is my bro, this doesn't happen in life. I go to prison, and my partner holds on to the company, keeps me on as a partner, even as I'm gone, 
For how long? Prison time. For how long? For like three years. All right. He holds it together. And by, at that point, so, so what's going on at Stevon? I take off and he's building this brand, which the name changes some other things. But as Stefan really takes that brand, uh, I think my ex-wife at the time was working with him a little bit, but it was like the weight was on his shoulders now because I had fucked up again. Right. And was going to prison. And, and that's where not guilty turned into Joker brand. Turned into Be Real from Cypress Hill and like a whole bunch of things that happened pretty much under Esteban's direction. Right. Because when I went in, we didn't own Not Guilty. We didn't quite have the money to finance. Everlast was a mock owner and me and Esteban were trying to figure this shit out. And then I get busted trying to finance it. When I get busted, Esteban's kind of left holding the bag uh, of everything. And... I don't know, kind of gone down there, man, because this guy held fucking my life together. Damn. So, uh, so what was it about what, what was it about the loyalty that you felt uh, for Steve or whatever it was, or it was your vibe? Like what made you step up and, and take care of the, the business while he was away? Cause some guys would have just like, stopped. well that, you know, I was, I thought, you know, this is how you you do with friends. Yeah. You know, you hold them down. If they get busted, you hold them down because that's what they would do for you. Right. And that's just how I was raised. You know, I didn't think like, well, fuck him. He fucked up. I'm He's out of here. I'm going to go do the business myself. His wife can fend for herself with right. her kids and it's over. Imagine you know? that. Like, right? and I'll go do my own shit, you know? Right. I thought, uh, well, that's my homie. I'm going to hold him down he's you know she she can come in and help me right that'll be instead of him being there it'll be her right and we'll do this thing you know and keep it going because we already had a momentum we already had like a a layout of how it was going to be um you know we knew we had to sh do these shows we had to take orders we had to produce the goods and we had to ship them it wasn't rocket science and we did that for three years and then he came out and um, while he was busted, we didn't we didn't know anything about business. So we did this thing. We incorporated it instead of trademarking it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when. Yeah, you should have talked to the Indian attorney. I well, would have told you. The Indian you attorney was like 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I was a smart. I was a smart 12 year old. Let me look tell for you at the at the middle school. <laughs> so then. Uh, this lady sends us a cease and desist order because we're we're making the shit so hot <laughs> that Not we guilty. get this we get this lady's attention and she had the trademark and she was selling these like acid wash like real corny jeans she's a chinese lady she had this like jean company and she had a trademark but she was selling to like the 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 low brand uh, uh chain stores like um, kind of like Target and those type of things, right. like the cheap, you know, make it cheap. Right. High volume. High volume, cheap as fuck. Right. No, you know, terrible quality. Right. So we get this letter from this lady and and Jessica, go, you know, his ex-wife goes, hey, man, we got this letter from this lady telling us to stop our company. And we're like, well, we can't stop. We just fucking been doing all this shit and like put right. so much work in it. Like I, I refuse to fail. Right. So I went to me and Jessica go to the the lawyer's office that sent us this letter, and usually you go to a lawyer's office and it's an office, right? 
we go to this place and it's a building downtown. Right. And you know, you know, real estate ain't cheap, but right. So a fucking lawyer firm owns this whole fucking building, like 20, 30 stories, big, the whole big building. outfit. Yeah. And we're like, Oh shit. You know, we're going just me and her. We're like, fuck, we're done here. You know? Right. And so we go in and we ask the lady, like, okay, hey, sorry, ma'am, you know, we're we are misinformed. We didn't know that you had to have a trademark. And, you know, is there any way that because, you know, the hip-hop scene is so big right now that you'd want to be a partner? Because I was thinking, you know, she's already got a company up and running. She knows the game. She has money. And she's selling to all these corny, you know, uh, chain stores. Right. But now she can do something cool. A real opportunity. That's what we thought, you know, something what opportunity was. for her, but she's already a millionaire. She so give like a we're, we're thousandaire. She's millionaire. So right. like how big is the opportunity for her? So she's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Nice to meet you. You guys are doing some cool shit, but you know, this is my brand. So we're like, well, fuck it then. You know, what do we have to do to come out of this? So right. we changed the name from not guilty to scandalous. Cause that was like my DJ name at that time. And, we made all the designs. We just cut the word not guilty out and we put the word scandalous in and we had the same artwork on top of right. that's the, the word with the same same formations. The logos were the same. Right. And, you know, we had Tanaka in place, our, our main distributor for Japan, and we just were pushing that out. Then in 1995, uh, Cartoon and another partner had started Joker and they went to a trade show and when they came back you know they they both made an agreement that they weren't going to do the business no more but they had already had some inventory so cartoon was like man i don't know what to do you know like i was like i don't know what to do you know i don't know what we should do any and it came up to where that inventory and that company was for sale right but all we had to do to get that company was buy the inventory well, I didn't have the money to buy the inventory, so I asked B-Real, hey, are you interested in doing this? Because at that time, I had switched from House of Pain to Cypress Hill because House of Pain stopped touring. They had, you know, fell out. Right. So in 1994, I switched over to Cypress Hill because their tour manager fucked up, and I ended up tour managing them for the next 10 years. So I asked B-Real, I was like, hey, you know, the not guilty thing with Eric and Lucky, you know, died out, Lucky's in prison, Everlast don't want to do it. Um, you know, are you into doing this company with me with Joker? And he's like, yeah, fuck it. So we went and bought, and you know, it was all cartoons, artwork. So we went and bought all the inventory and started Joker. We were running that for a little while. And meanwhile, I'm talking to Lucky in prison going, hey, you know, this is what happened. All right, guilty so, got shut down. Scandalous was went was doing a little something. This company Joker came up. B Real's the investor, you know. But I'm still thinking of you coming out and handling all the home base shit while we're on tour. Right. So he comes out automatically, slides right into partner let of me, Joker. Let me, Go let ahead. Me, let me just like put a thing in there because I'm kind of curious now. So you're out making moves. Right. Taking care of business. Got to. You're in prison. Right. With so the Fifi. With the what? With the Fifi. <laughs> What's a Fifi? The little uh, plastic bag with some baloney in it. Yep. It's a little fake pussy. Ah. Oh, 
Wait, you know what? Just behind your head, your wife is telling me, like, don't go there. Don't say it. <laughs> so a little plastic bag with some bologna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, bologna. I'm in, I'm in pr- he's basically saying I'm in prison beating off. Listen, well, first of all, working. I don't need to be in prison to beat off. I'll, be, <laughs> be, I'll beat off. It doesn't matter. Girlfriend, wife, I still whack it from time to time. That's your homie. You can't forget about that guy. Easy, he was, easy, easy. It's the truth. It's okay. the truth. I wash my hands before I touch these mics, so don't worry. But the thing is, is... Uh, uh, so you were with the baloney when you're lonely, mm-hmm. and what's it like for you? To box fox, he said. We boxed fox. <laughs> Put fox in the box. Put fox in a box. All right, and check I it was out. Lonely with baloney. You were lonely with baloney. What's it like to be in prison and your homeboys taking care of you, which is a cool thing, but at the same time, what does it feel like to not have any control and it's going off and you're stuck? Yeah, I just had to accept it, but. It, it was uh, I'm communicating the whole time, communicating over the phone. Uh, we're writing letters to each other and he's explaining to me all this drama that's going on. But somehow, some way, like I'm sending him the catalogs, I'm sending him magazines with the press in it. So I'm like, hey, look, check this out. Here's our new line. Here's the the, you know, the ads that we've been getting and the exposure we've been getting. Like everything's going good. Right. You know, Jess is at the at the shop while I'm on tour. She's handling all the production like everything's going cool, you know? And so you couldn't have asked for a better partner than that. Never. No. He couldn't have asked or bought or nothing. (laughs) Best of the best. Best from the West. Yeah. He was holding it down. Right And it was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, when I got, I left it and we were barely putting the pieces together and I end up getting home. And when I return home, I mean, everything's, uh, Esteban's like, he's now directing videos He's now shooting all sorts of stuff. Like everything had really, really changed over um, that three-year period. It's the, the, a lot had gone on, but um, that was part of part of Estevan's uh, drive. He just had a lot going on, and and as I want to talk about that, that's kind of like how how I came out, and it was like this this guy was a major photographer. But when I got out of prison, it was now this guy was directing videos and. I think the L.A. hands picture was just starting to surface and it was like this things had definitely changed. Now I had a partner who was a major creative force in Los Angeles. Uh, We had a partner that was a tattoo artist that was really growing in the tattoo community cartoon. And Esteban was was photographing and documenting um, not only everything that was going on in in the media or in the world that people were like paying attention to, but he was also documenting stuff that we all were kind of into. Um, like he was going down and like fucking, he was videotaping like drug addicts getting high. He was videotaping copying dope. He was videotaping like hydraulics down in South Central and fucking just like, just like stuff that. Now on social media, everybody's trying to cover all this cool kind of stuff. Right. But back then, Esteban was running his camera and capturing just like lifestyle stuff that people were scared of, man. Like people wanted to see it and couldn't believe it. And it's like, I don't know. He was taking he was taking photos of some man. We'd have like I'd be on a run or a cartoon or a friend of ours would be like fucking high or some crazy shit would be going on and Esteban would have the camera out. Right. And he'd be like, and it was just, it was, 
I don't know, man. Did anyone like ever get eye. mad? Like, dude, I'm I'm in the middle of fucking coming Nobody down. Nobody was saying shit. Did any, Did anyone ever get mad? I was thinking about this. Cause I read some articles and I was like, you you were you were doing an interview with some I can't remember what it was, but you did this interview where you were saying something to the effect of like, you got to be careful when you're taking pictures in certain areas because some shit could go off. So, I mean, how especially before people once you become a known artist. I think it's probably a little easier because people are like, oh, well, that's what that guy does. But when you don't, when you're not that yet, you're just exploring. Yeah. Did you ever have people say, like, get that fucking camera out of my face, man? No. Never. No. They would say, they would just be like, no, you know, I don't want to get, because the thing with me is I'd always ask people, you know, like, I'm not just rolling up to somebody and just putting a camera in their face. I always would respect people and be like, hey, is it cool if I, you know, take some pictures? And most of the time, people that i'm asking i knew you know like when the first things that i was documenting was low riding us all the homies hanging out and touring with with the bands so you know like i had like an inside uh you know insider seat to all of it because i had my low rider before i had my camera so in the low rider community it was cool for me to just bust out my camera because i you know, I drove my car up in there, you know, so people would see me roll up in my low rider and I'd just get out, take pictures of my homies with their cars, my car and other people at the car shows and shit like that. And it was like no big deal. You weren't an outsider coming in. Yeah, I wasn't like coming from Europe and going, hey, Mike, can I take a picture? You know, right. like I was like I was already embedded in it. Right. The same with touring. Like, I could take pictures backstage and, you know, of all the bands that I was touring with and all that kind of shit because they would see me on tour every day. Right. So it wasn't like an uh, outsider coming in uncomfortably as, like, one of the homies or, you know, somebody that's with us every day. It was more comfortable, you know. People right. could let their hair down and relax. Right. So that's how all that shit started. And then... We moved to downtown in 1996, and at that time where we lived, it was considered Skid Row. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, Skid Row is more condensed, and this area that we lived in is called like uh, the Artist District. The Art District, yeah. So, you know, which was artists like us made it a cool place to live. The people with money saw that, came in, invested in it, to the point where artists couldn't afford to live there no more and moved all the gentrification people in and now the artist people you know don't feel comfortable there because it's kind of like you know damn this is this was our area and now you know we're not even cool here no more because these people are like looking at us like who the fuck are you you know <laughs> this is we we came in here with with money to you know live here who are you right but you guys are the ones that actually made created, it cool. created the value right that made it worth them to spend the money that you right. didn't have to push you guys out right okay they're, 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 now you can go on instagram you can go on to anything now and you're gonna find like this lifestyle this culture out there but i'm gonna tell you right now and everybody who's listening if you are pushing that street culture right now I don't care if you're a rapper, uh, artist, um, an actor. Or, I'm telling you right now, you can thank us because we're the ones who opened up the door. Right. There was nobody doing that back in the 90s. Nobody except us. We were alone. The three of us were alone. I'm telling you, there was nobody doing anything in the 90s except Esteban, 
Lucky and Cartoon. It was the three of us pushing a culture that nobody had our back on. Nobody. We were doing shit nobody was doing. Media wasn't even accepting at that point in time. They were scared of it. Right. They didn't want to hear about the tattoos. They didn't want some other shit, man. But they weren't on what we were about and what we were talking about, what we thought was cool and what we were trying to show people. They weren't having it. And now it's a whole different story. And everybody that's listening to this show, damn straight. If it wasn't for us, you probably wouldn't be getting your shit and having it the way you have now. We put that shit out there. Me, Esteban, a cartoon. End of story, period. You know, Full stop. That's it, man. Anybody got anything to say? They can come and fucking see me. I'm in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it's some side buster shit. I certified that shit. Now, all I'm the one who'll sign off on it. If I don't know you, then there's a reason I don't know you. You know? But that shit started and it came out of the West Side. And, and that's that, you know? We did that, you know? Um, it's funny because... You know, 25 years later, the shit that we were being pushed down upon that people didn't want to hear about, now they're just riding the jock. Yes. You know, they're hashtagging a, it. Hash, they're hashtagging it. And not only that, I mean, it. what is it like, though? Like, let me ask you a question. What's it like to see people who, I mean, I don't want, I don't want, I don't know who to say, but if it were me, if it was me, I'd be a little bit like in like infuriated of people who are replicating the thing but have no idea what it took to to stick to that to yeah. find the value in it to yeah. go through whatever it is and now they're walking around like it, it like real housewives are wearing some shit that you know is like whatever and i look at that and i think they don't fucking know they don't know steve they don't know esteban which is spanish for steve so they got two steves right here they don't know any <laughs> of that shit uh, they don't have any idea how hard it was for you guys to get that out the blocks, right? Right. No, they don't. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna chew on lemons. I'm not gonna be mad about it. I've continued to help younger Chicano artists and younger artists and people coming up. I've helped them to get in the game. I've helped introduce them. I've helped show them the way. I've never been one of them dudes that's gonna be mad and angry and hate on them because people were hating on me when I was a youth because they didn't understand us. You know, and I'm not going to be that same way. And it's part of their culture now, man. They just they don't experience shit. They think they can pick up this this iPhone. Right. And because they look some shit up and got some answers yeah. that they know about that shit. But they ain't been anywhere. They haven't experienced them and rolled up their hand, their sleeves and done some shit. Do you have like an example? Let me ask you a question, Steve. You got an example of like where it was clear to you that the person knew about something from the phone and they went to talk to you about it and it was clear to you that they hadn't actually lived through any of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean there was that story about that 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 kid that was telling you about uh what was that that shooting that went down in New Zealand and that guy put a GoPro on his fucking ha head and it was some sick shit that he was filming. And you walked up in there. What was it that that guy, that guy wanted to show it to you? Oh, those guys were watching that that, that New Zealand shooting. Steve, did you see that? Yep. So these guys, uh, a couple guys were in a, in a meeting, and I walk in, and they're all watching this GoPro, and they're like, hey, uh, sit down, bro, check this out. And and they got this GoPro on, and, and they're showing me, and I'm like, what is this? And I didn't know what it was. Right. And they're like, watch this. And, and I'm like, it looked like a game that they are watching. 
And then I see this guy walk up to this mosque and he starts firing off shots. And when I realized kind of what I'm watching, he was like walking up and about to start smoking these people that were already laying down, already shot. And I, I got up and walked away. I didn't want to watch that shit, you know? And they're like, what's up, man? And I was like, I don't want to see that shit. Right. Like, and they were getting off all excited about that shit. And it's just like an instant, like, if you ain't never been around and seen any shit, then you're going to get off on some dude fucking shooting some innocent people and seeing some brains and shit all over. That's going to let me know that you haven't been anywhere. You haven't seen any shit. You haven't been touched that by that excites any. you. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't want to see that shit. Right. That shit makes me sick. Right. Um, it's just some bad vibe shit. And I've seen enough in my lifetime. I don't want to see that kind of shit, you know? Um, Yo, but is that it? But that's that's how people are nowadays. It's like they think it's a game, or they see these games and movies, and it's like, and they don't know the effects of, of how that affects people, or what really happens when that shit. Can goes I down. say something, man? Before we started recording here today, you were talking about a, a situation um, where uh, you were in traffic, mm -hmm. and uh, someone was in the street shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you pull it into a, a a parking lot. Right. And so that was a shooting that happened, remember, at Vermont? Your red car? They got the bullet in the back? Right. And the little girl's head got blown off? Yeah. yeah. You were talking about that little girl's head getting blown off. And when yeah. you were describing it, man, you put, like, a panic in me, man. Because, you know, I have a son. So, mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking about my son, you know, getting just... So... I think people get disassociated with violence like that, and they think it's it's cool to watch that shit because they they have no they have no association with it. Absolutely, it. I almost wanted to defend. I almost wanted to defend myself to those people and, and say I didn't go there though. But when you see a child, you know, a nine or ten year old girl with her head blown off, you know, that happened to be in the middle of a gang shooting, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, it's it, when you see shit like that, you know it. Uh, it affects you, man. Fuck yeah! It's, it's not a fucking game. And, and listen, at the same time, like uh, I, I saw what went down. You know, I saw what down. It's not my place to, you know. It's not my place to, you know, say anything or you know that shit's something that happened and. Uh, but it affected me when you see the effects of what shit like that does to innocent people that are caught up in it, you know, it, it's it, it's life-changing. I mean, look, you see some dudes that are in combat together and they're, they're fighting and that's something. And then, you know, some gang members are having a shootout. Okay, that's one thing. I don't even really like watching that. It doesn't do anything for me. But when it's innocent people and children, mm -hmm. um, it's... it's uh, it's fucked up, man. I, I don't I don't really understand where somebody would get off watching that, you know. Right. But uh it that definitely though, um definitely put a uh it just makes you pay attention to what's going on. You can't help but not think about your children. Yeah, for sure. You know. I walked up one day when Vincent was going to school at John Adams, and I remember going to pick him up from school one day, my son. And we had him in a good school in Santa Monica. And I remember getting out of the car to pick him up. My kid, my son had his head shaved. And he's wearing some dickies. And he had a white t-shirt on. And from the back, he looked like a homie. And I remember walking up and I was like, oh, hell no, man. The first thing I thought was, if somebody from a neighborhood rolls up, they're not going to ask him where he's from. Right. 
then I was like, I had a talk with my son, and I just couldn't have him dressing like that, or like it scared me, you know. And because that shit happens, you know, and when you start thinking about your kids, the last thing we want is something like that to happen to one of our kids. So, yeah, uh, I got a uh, my wife. Uh, she's she's in six months. My first baby, baby girl, Tigra's coming. And it's it's just starting to open up the, that part of me of thinking about thinking about something other than yourself. Like, you know, I was thinking about this and I'm like, you know, my wife and I, we can fight. Like, and that's one of the things I love about her is that I can, I can pull out the pen and say some crazy shit. And in me, the way my brain works, I can say some real crazy shit. And there's generally speaking, women aren't used to a guy that can keep up with them in an argument. They are not used to it. They ain't used to it. They ain't, every, every single woman thinks they could out argue me, but I got a, I got a lawyer mind and a lot of energy. And I'll just straight up keep going and going and going. And I got a long-term memory. It'll be six years down the road, and I'll be like, but didn't you say back in May 3rd, 1982, that you didn't like the color pink? Now what's up? Now, so, but because of that, right, my wife, though, she's Latina. She's from, she, her family's from Guatemala, so she could really, she can fight. So she and I can argue all day. That, that to us is like, we call it out our love music. That's, 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 bef- that's, that's when we start heating up the love stove. Music. Love our, music. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's a lawyer, too, by the way. She's my partner in the firm. So we go back and forth. It's like kung fu. It's two people with, with, with basically lip kung fu fighting. But the thing is, is this baby's coming, and one of the things that I always tell my wife is like, I'm like, listen, that's the way you're going to be? Then I don't care. You want me to sleep on the couch? I love the couch. I prefer to sleep on the couch. In fact, I don't care. I sleep in a ditch. I'm cool to sleep in a ditch. But now that I got this little girl coming, right, my daughter, that argument doesn't have the same flavor because it's. I don't mind denying myself anything. I'll deny whatever I have to do to achieve whatever I have to achieve. But then when I'm responsible for somebody else, right, my daughter's got to look up to me, right, then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I guess I guess I'll use a loofah. I'll use a loofah. <laughs> that's what you want, my love. I'll use a loofah, and I'll scrub the feet, and I'll get it all, da-da-da-da, because I'm going to be the father. So I can kind of relate to the concept that having kids changes the way you look at certain things. You looked at it one way, now you realize there's people to protect. Right. So you get out, right? Steve, you get out, and now Esteban, when, first of all, when do you know, because you start taking pictures and you're on the road, and, and I've read the interviews and stuff, so I know that your father's an artist, right? He does a certain kind of photography. It's a little bit more environmental, right? It's a little bit more whatever. And then you do like, uh, you do these pictures of life up close, very whatever, intimate. And the thing is, is I was reading about all that and I was thinking about when do you realize like, oh shit, people are, this is becoming a real thing. People are looking at me. I'm not just a guy snapping shots, a homie from around the way snapping shots. I'm now Esteban who is making art. When do you realize that? Um, the first, the first things that made me realize that was there was a photo lab that I was going to and the owner at that photo lab, they did a lot of big, uh, A-lister photographer type guys, uh, like a guy named Helmut Newton and different people on that level. 
so they used to process his film and print his photos and they would have like his photos in the in the photo lab like as kind of like a little lightweight gallery type thing right so the owner asked me hey what do you how come you never print your pictures you just make you just uh, get them developed and you make those contact sheets and i was like i don't know i don't know you know what to do with the pictures really and they and she said well you know if if I blow some up, can I put them on the wall and try to sell them? And, you know, I'll give you all the money. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, if they want to do that work and pay for it themselves and yeah, whatever. Did you think at, when you were taking these pictures, did you think anybody would want to blow up your pictures and sell them? No, I didn't. I just was taking pictures, you know, I didn't even know what to do with them. So at that time, she blew up some pictures and they sold like out of 11 pictures, eight of them sold. And they weren't of anybody famous. They were just, you know, people that were, you know, that I took around in L.A. and stuff. And she goes, hey, you know, eight of the photos out of the 11 are sold. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And she goes, you know, so I'm going to have a check for you. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, I was like, well, now I'm going to get some money back because all I've been doing is pouring money into it. Yeah. And she goes, I think, you know, maybe you should take this more serious and i was like yeah okay you know i just kind of blew it off got my check the people how took, much was it um it was at that time it was 250 bucks a photo so times eight and that was you know that's nothing now right but at that time that's big i had spent 25 dollars per roll per developing so you know for 25 bucks i'm getting the roll of film and getting it developed so if i'm making 250 dollars off of one picture you know, I'm making my money back. That's the 10 times the return. Right. So at that time also, I was working with the bands a lot and I was doing the low riding thing. And my friend Oishi was from Japan. He, he moved here cause our car club was only in one, it was one chapter in East LA. So the way our president would say is like, there is no other chapters. If you want to be from this car club, you need to, meet us in L east la and you need to do it right here and right there so he moved his family from japan hold on hold the fucking what so you're telling me let me get this straight you're telling me that oishi right because the car club you wanted to be a part of only would meet in east la yeah oishi the japanese man right moved his whole family out of japan right mm-hmm to this place for the car club. Right. Well, yeah. Holy, yeah. that's commitment. Right. Sure. And he was one of the guys who had started shipping the lowriders <sighs> to Japan from L.A. He would come here, buy the car, ship them back. So he's one of the first ones that took lowriding to um, Japan. Holy shit. So now he wants to be in our car club. He moves here. A friend of his from uh, Fine Magazine, Ono, hit him up and told him, hey, now that you're out there in L.A., you should take some pictures and send them back to me and I'll publish them in the magazine. It was a lifestyle magazine. They had like surfing, skating, music. So he was like, I'm not the photo guy, but one of my car club members is. And, you know, cartoon can do the art. So we came up with a two page section every month called Low Life, Low Rider Lifestyle. Yeah. And we did photos and art cartoon would draw around the photos kind of like uh, teen angel yeah. magazine so Dope. 
right away we started we were getting 400 bucks a page so that's 800 dollars for that and then i started because i did the press for the bands i would see the the magazines come in do an interview and the photographer do a photo shoot and sometimes the every every interview had 15 minutes so it was like sometimes it'd be 10 minutes for the interviewer and five minutes for the photographer to shoot the photos so i felt bad i was like fuck they get like five minutes to shoot like a 10 page spread in a magazine right of the band and it's like you know it's got to be hard to make these classic images in such a short period of time so i'm watching all this so i started telling the magazines like hey if you ever want pictures of the band you know performing live on stage or them backstage just hanging out you know i have them and at first they're kind of like yeah right the fucking roadie has pictures of the band <laughs> like he wants up. to put them in the magazine get the <laughs> fuck out of here mm-hmm. but then i started having little four by six photos that i would make at the one hour photoshop yeah. and i would show them like these little booklets and i'd be like hey you know here's my photos and they're like yeah can we can we you know use them and i go yeah sure how much and they'd be like oh you know for a full page like 500 bucks you know half page 250 a quarter page like 100 bucks i was like wow okay you know here's another time that i'm learning that you can make so much money off of one picture right so i'm doing these side deals while i'm tour managing and doing the clothing i'm selling photos to magazines hip-hop magazines in you know the states and i'm sending uh low writing mag- magazines photos of low writing so i'm making a little side money every month with that and uh god damn you are a hustler i started learning how uh the language was like they would say you know for usage you know we pay 500 dollars a usage fee and this that and the other right you know this is the the term you can use in magazines like you know the magazine can uh use that photo for three months and then you could sell it to another magazine right so i started learning how to do all that shit and i started you know doing that business and around 2005 uh cypress hill had we you know we were going through all this drama touring and in 2005 they were like hey let's take a break you know we don't want to tour so much so i just uh, okay so around uh, 2005 i just said you know what i need to come up with a way to make a living doing photography because we weren't touring as much and I wasn't making money. So I jumped into photography and video directing full blast in 2005 and I told the homies from Cypress, like, if you guys don't want to tour, I need to figure it out. Right. So I did the clothing, the tour, the photos and the video directing and they weren't touring because you know they made money off of the songs when they play on the radio and they had money because you know from touring and merchandising and shit so they were cool they could take six months off break get themselves back together and it's no problem but for me i go fucking month with no work and it's over right i'm out in the street homeless right so i went full blast with photography clothing and video directing and that's kind of where it took off, you know, to where I thought, like, you know, I didn't think anymore. I just had to do it, you know. So it was kind of like, you know, now's my chance to, you know, make this commitment and go heads, head, you know, head first into it right. and make this my career. 
and that's what I did. And and since 2005, you know, that's how I've made my living off of the clothing, the directing, and and photography. And never went back to working at clubs, doing construction, or or touring. So let me ask you a question because, like, one of the things that I've seen, and I mean, you've got the shirt on. Lux got a shirt. Everybody probably this might be one of the best known images uh, right. worldwide uh, that represents L.A. culture, which is the the fingers of of a woman making an L and an A. Right. 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 When you t- you took that the greatest fo- shirt ever made. Greatest shirt ever made, dude. When you took that picture, tell me first of all. Tell me how you, what 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 was the occasion for that picture? Um, I was just doing some photos downtown in L.A. and uh, and I was shooting a uh, you know a female's gang member. And as I was shooting her, she threw up in L.A. and and I was like, okay, cool, you know, because at that time it was a gang sign, and people were. Uh, throw, you know, the people that I was taking pictures of were from gangs and they throw up gang signs right. or they were hip hop people. And the, the W was just being put up as like West, West Coast. Side. West y- Coast. Yeah, West Coast, West Side. Right. So people would throw up an L.A. as, you know, like a bigger thing than just repping the hood, like right. representing our whole city. You know, even if they were gang members, they'd throw up an L.A. or they'd throw up their neighborhood. And at that time, if you threw up a gang sign, there's three things that could happen to you. You'd get in a fight, you'd get stabbed or, you know, approached like that, or you'd get shot at or shot, or you'd have to shoot somebody. So that's that's what went along with throwing up a, a sign with your hands. Yeah. It was instant, like, you're signing up for some type of violence by doing that so this was spontaneous that she threw up the LA. right it wasn't like hey do you know how to do this you know, like, hey can you do this i want to make a t-shirt out of yeah, it yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. sell it at h&m or something you right know? It was more like i'm just taking pictures and she would throw up like a gang sign and then she just threw up the la and and it just and i was like oh you know what let me zoom in and like you know because i was shooting from like maybe five ten feet away yeah and I walked up to like one or two feet away and I just caught the hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two two shots, went back to 10 feet away, finished a photo shoot. And this is downtown LA? Yeah. This is in the, this is right off of like, I'd say like six and Mateo, right in that area. Yeah. And at that time it was, you didn't go down there unless you were about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's drug addicts, um, homeless people and just like it was a wild wild west there was no uh you know ten dollar cappuccinos or a chicken <laughs> wrap or you know some shit like no that. fucking jamba juice yeah you weren't getting Dude. no vegan tacos over there <laughs> steve so steve at this point in time what year would this have been that was in like 1994 so at this point in time where are you doing steve i'm in the joint he in was, the joint. He was doing burpees. Yeah, I was doing burpees in prison. <laughs> is that, for the record, Esteban, is that La Giggles from 18th Street, or can you say or not? Okay. For just for the record. I, I remember the photo. I remember the actual photo, and I remember her. I remember that photo set because uh, I found her real attractive. I remember she was bad. 
I instantly saw the photos of the hands. Yeah. And it was instantaneously, I knew that that was, a, I mean, I was just attracted to the photo. I loved everything about it. I had no idea. I knew it was going to be big. I had no idea that it was going to take over the way it did. But I knew it was a sick photo. I think as soon as I saw the photo, I wanted a photo blown up. Like, I needed a photo for my pad or I needed a photo I've for me. I've seen that photo in your, your house. Pad. Yeah. The crazy thing is, is I didn't think that. You know, what do like, you mean? Mm. I didn't think that. I thought it was just another. To me, every picture I take is, if I'm pushing the button, I think it's a good picture. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm paying for it. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to just shoot some shit like nowadays they have digital cameras they do a say. thing called spray and pray they just hold the fucking button down and just <laughs> until they get a good shot like this is this was at a time when you were taking these photos this was at a time where it's like you were gonna have to pay for each photo you took so you had to have your editor eye going at the time while right. it's happening you ain't you're not trying to that's the one thing you you do when you're shooting film you learn mm -hmm. you learn by hands-on so I'm not just shooting random fucking pictures just to shoot them. I'm taking every shot I take. It yeah. has to be something that is I like. Right. So to me, it's just another picture that I liked. Yeah. That I thought was cool at the time. And with me, I take my photos and I put them in these contact sheets. They come in a envelope. I yeah. put the envelope away and I don't I don't fuck with it anymore after that because to me the the high was taking the photo. Yeah. Not see, like later on, I would see the pictures like six months later. I'd be like, "Oh fuck, that's a badass picture." Yeah. But to me, I would just see all the photos, and I'd be like, "Okay, the lighting was cool. They were in focus. Okay, I did good. I put it away." So for me, that's what this photo was—just another one that I just put to the side. So when magazines started thinking I was cool and wanted to do an interview on me, and they were asking for, "Hey, send us your your best ten shots." or 10 shots that you like of your work so we can do like a little portfolio and an interview on you in the magazines. I'd be like, okay, cool. I would shoot them the LA picture and I'd always get a good response off of that. Some, some magazines would put it on the cover. No shit. Some magazines would put like my name and like one page of the story. And then they'd make the LA photo, like the full page next to it. And then they'd go into the other photos that were smaller so I was always getting like a great response. I was like, man, fucking people like this picture. Like, what's mm -hmm. the, you know? So for me, it was like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you know, like I had pictures of Lucky that I thought were cooler. You know, like there was this one where I took, uh, we were in this abandoned warehouse and I took a picture of him doing the 13 with like the X and the three. Yeah. Like that. And I, Roman me, numeral style 13. Right. X I and thought three. that was a cooler picture, you know? Right. Or like cartoon, you know, I had a picture of him with the Uzi with the yeah. ice cream truck in the back because I thought <laughs> that was a cooler a picture. picture. I mean, that sounds like a great picture. Pictures of my wife, you know, Angel, and back in the day with, with our other homie Mono, you know, rest in peace, yeah. and Cartoon's car and the homie Toki. And like, I had all these other pictures that I thought were better. Oh, yeah. And people liked them. Mm -hmm. But that picture, be, you know... It was weird because I think people couldn't associate a particular person with it. It was yeah. like, it was That's a symbolism true. of, of it, that picture caught the symbolism of the culture that we have in Los Angeles without mm. showing, putting a face to it. Yep. Yeah, yep. that makes total sense. So like the idea is, is that anyone's sense of like what it means to be from L.A. or whatever it is, they can project onto that whatever it is they think without having the it. details disrupting that right. projection. without mm -hmm. seeing a face to it. Totally. Mm -hmm. It's not total a sense. face that, that is showing the... 
you know, the world of what L.A. is made of, it's the symbolism. Can right. I ask you a question? Please. Did, did that change the way you shoot when no. you came to that realization? No. no. I mean, to me, it was like, what changed the way I shoot is after I had done like maybe 50 art shows and I was selling a lot of pictures of, of lowriders and gang culture and stuff like that to people at an art show, I was like, you know, I thought like it the the it started uh, falling off. Kind of people were like, oh, you know, you know they 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 started to me. I was thinking, well, you know, Jeff and Carrie that is buying this picture of Lucky with his shirt off <laughs> don't want to have this picture of a big gang member in their living room or their kitchen where they're having their their young people come in you know their young family members coming in to have breakfast too like, dangerous oh, good too morning dangerous. baby you know <laughs> are you ready it's for too school hard. and there's lucky on the wall <laughs> it's too hard it's too hard you can't you can't look at lucky and eat cornflakes at the same time <laughs> right with your kids no. so i started thinking like fuck you know maybe it's maybe that's the problem maybe people are you know, they don't want to scare their kids or have that kind of image or, or you know, it's true. those elements in their house. Right. They like to look at it and they think they're great pictures, but that's as, as close as they want to get. Right. So I started thinking, well, maybe, you know, the problem, you know, with me doing these art shows is people, you know, it's not it's not new no more. It's not something that they're like, oh, fuck, you know, this is cool. I want to get this and put it in my house. So what do I do now? That's when I started thinking like, well, maybe instead of shooting like 10 guys holding guns, pointing at your <laughs> camera, I like still like you know, shoot that. But then maybe put like the guys, you know, tell the guys, hey, put all your guns in a pile on the right. floor and, the, and just shoot the guns in a pile. I think, you know, I was thinking maybe the, the, the kids could eat the people cereal. outside <laughs> would think oh it's okay you know it's just a pile of guns <laughs> or you know a, a pile of weed or something like that and that's okay but when you associate a person with it then it's like mm, man maybe you know it's a little bit too much for them that's interesting that's interesting because so i started shooting like more details instead of putting always a person with it. You that, know? So that's crazy. Hold on. Let's stop right there for a second because I think you're laying out some kind of a theory. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Yeah. But what you're saying is, is you're saying like, look, you can have dangerous elements, but right. when you put the human plus the dangerous element, right. it's too much. Exactly. But when I'm hearing that, I'm thinking like, that is... That is on some level, I think, what makes... What do you think makes it too much? But putting the person with it. No, you know? but what's the mechanism? What makes it too much? Why does adding a human to the dangerous element make it too much? Because then it's... Like, I have a shirt of all uh, that I made that I, I took a picture of all these um, revolvers at the L.A. Gun Club, like, back in the 90s. Yeah. We went there for an interview or something, and like we used to go practice shooting there in the '90s, and just like you know, for fun, you just it was kind of like a release, stress sure. relief. Sure. And I went there one time, and I took a picture of the gun case. Yeah. And the guy was like, "Hey, you know that's cool. Do you want me to take the glass off so you can get a picture without the glare from the lights?" I go, "Oh, fuck yeah, cool." So he took the glass off of the gun case, and I took a picture of just the guns. And 
uh, I was doing a clothing brand of my photos on shirts and uh, and I was sending them, you know, to the people that were going to, you know, put the line out. And some of the pictures had people in them and some of them didn't. And he would ask me to write different lines to go with the photos. And I wrote um, with that one. There was one where there was like a, a high-speed chase. And I wrote Los Angeles, uh, home of the home of the car chase or something like that. <laughs> the city of the car chase or some shit like that. And then for the guns one, I wrote guns don't kill people. People kill people. So the, the, the dangerous element is the guns, but the guns aren't going to shoot themselves. You know, it's when you put a person with it, that's when they, they become dangerous. You know, the guns just sitting on the table, that's not dangerous. The gun in your hand, that's when it becomes dangerous. Is it a thing of identity, though? Because, like, once there's a face attached to it, it, it it's no longer a symbol. No, it's no, like a personality. no, no, no. I don't think so because this is just my opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. But, no, I don't think so because most people don't know who that person is. I agree with you about the, the objects. I think the theory also relies on, in part, the shame or the culpability or the guilt of knowing that... Uh, human beings uh do do these bad things like mm. like if you have a kid and you just have like the object you're not telling the kid or the kid's not seeing an image that oh human beings can take this route and they can do that they can they can pick up a gun and kill each other and you know when you think about what 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 it is that we think is good for children uh, a lot of it has to do with like, okay, well, we're not going to show them sex at a, at a certain level and we're not going to show them violence at a certain level, even though the truth is, you really want to know the truth? Human beings do do this shit. That's yeah. the truth. Been and, doing it forever. And, and, and so what is that element that's like, you know what, I want to protect uh, the kids from that, even though at some point I'm going to have to have a conversation with them to help them navigate that in a real way. Mm, or not. I think it. I think that it's. Uh, I think that some of the some of the stuff we're talking about when you're talking about gangs and uh, when you're talking about like uh, you know guns and, and stuff like this, weaponry and stuff like that. It's yeah. a little. You're. Uh, it's a little bit moving away from the L.A. hands. And I think that the thing about the L.A. hands is that people are able to. They're able to describe themselves like. They're able to show that to somebody right. as their thing and be able to put their own twist on it. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and you I think can project. You, you can, can project. You can take it and be like, now I'm cool. I'm showing you this. Right. Or you're seeing it on me like, I think this is cool. They can own it. <sighs> so your theory is an interesting one. You're saying there's nothing in that image that discredits the person from showing it if you see a gang member doing that and you can see their face and clearly they're in the gang, then Jerry, right, can't say, like, yeah, I'm all about that. But because it's just enough generic, like, you don't have those you elements. You can make it your own. You can make it your, your own. own. Right. I think that's what. I think that's genius. I think that's mm -hmm. what uh, that that one. And I I just think that's what, what the deal Dude, is. Dude, look, that. what's it like being photographed by Esteban? Uh, he's a pro, man. He just. Nah, but how do you feel? Like, I mean, like, dude. I love it, bro. I'm so proud of that. Like, I get pumped up. Like, the stuff that he shot of me and stuff that was used for magazine covers or po he used stuff for, like, his art shows. Many times I walked into his art show. 
and my shit was front and center. Oh, dude, um, come on. Yeah, What's man. that? Yeah, man. Come on, man. What's that the best, like? The best because he represents a culture that I that I'm a part of and I feel like I'm a representative of. Right. You know, and I feel like when he took picture of that He's placing me as one of those people that's a representative of Representative. Dude, you're you're an icon who, by the way, right, Estevan's like, man, Steve's such an icon that it's kind of scary. We can't do little he he St- Estevan thinks that you are so scary that like you know, that that parents are like, Well, we can't put that in the yeah. kitchen. <laughs> and it's true. I went over to some some uh my friend's house, he's got kids. There's a big picture of you on the wall, and they say, Now listen, if you don't behave, <laughs> Steve Lucky Luciano's gonna come and make a visit to you. <laughs> Did you really say that? No, no I'm not sure. I uh, I think that Estevan, in while shooting, and I've been around Estevan, not only as I'm the focus of what he's shooting, yeah. but been around him when he's shooting other things. Yeah. And one thing about Estevan is you don't know. He'll he'll be lining stuff up, and you'll be like, what what is he seeing, or what is he doing, or like how is that gonna? And he'll be like, all right, move this over here. Okay, I want this, and I want that, and you do that. And you just don't see it from a naked eye. Maybe because I'm not a photographer. I don't have vision. Right. And then as it all starts going down and you start seeing the contact sheets, you might even start seeing it happening right then. Yeah. But usually afterwards, I'm looking at the contact sheets, and I'm like, damn, I didn't even see that coming. Or I didn't even see what the depth of what he saw until the picture was taken. Let me ask you a question. This is serious. I'm not fucking around anymore. Have you ever been recognized from Esteban's photo and gotten laid off it? Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. That is really? so yeah. look at Look at Esteban's wife is smiling, shaking a her head. A couple of them, yeah. She's like, oh, my. Man. She covers her mouth. No way. Absolutely. What's that like? What is it like? Dude, can we ask you a question? Because there's a lot of guys out there that would love to be that guy. Right, Sean. Right. Now, yeah, I know I'm now. I'm gonna tell right now. I don't have a girlfriend. I got laid through a good part of the '90s <laughs> and, and 2000s, early 2000s. All, all because of my dude right there. I'm not gonna lie. Right. So you. So yeah. all throughout the '90s, you got like. What is? Let me ask you this. What's the craziest in that 90s period? Was there ever a time that you got laid that it was like the craziest, like that was the most bizarre thing that ever happened to you? What do you mean? I don't know. I'm asking. Like, I mean, you have a lot of sex. Some shit like, you know, a a 10-foot clitoris. I don't know. Anything crazy. Do you see anything crazy? I don't know about anything crazy, but what I am saying is that I definitely was at a couple spots where it was either a gallery showing or yeah. something. And my photo was either up or it was on a magazine. And the, the chick is totally like, oh, my God. Is that, uh, and so how do you play a that? A couple you, hours later, you, we in bed. Listen, listen, listen. So so how do you play that, dude? So they go, she's like, oh, my God, that's you. And, like, do you play it down? Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of embarrassing. I, uh, you know, but, whatever. Hey, listen, and that's only the ones I know about. Who knows how many situations there were where they investigated that picture and saw it, and I didn't even know that. They didn't even bring it up to me. <sighs> but 
Of course, man. Was yeah. it any people that were like, was there ever like a, you know, like a German duchess who mm-hmm. was at one of these mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. she just wanted a taste of that West L.A. penis? Oh, hey. Come on. Hey. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yes. Come on. Angel, Germany. cover your ears. No disrespect. No disrespect. England, Germany. All right. Sweden, Japan. You know. Listen, let me ask you a question. World. All right. Now, I just like, like, oh, my God, that guy. You know, like they do. Is there any country that you feel like there? Hey, you gotta ask me if I ever got laid behind being on one of your one of your photos. Of course, I told him, <laughs> man, I I rode the gravy train because of my man. <laughs> he helped me out a lot. <laughs> What's that? Wait, wait. Hey, do you want to have? He a, was taken. Wait, so is it all right it. with you if she comes in and says a couple? Yeah, says I a don't couple? care. Okay, Angel, why don't you come over here and sit in this chair? You 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 got a lot on your mind. I can no, see it. <laughs> Wait, what's she saying? There's only one picture that he got laid off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, the X3 one, right? Yeah. Yeah. X3 got me a lot of mileage. Yeah, he got you a lot does. of got you a lot of punani too. I'll repost that thing on Instagram whenever I get a chance. <laughs> God damn it! Mm. Mm. Hey, I, I told this someone the other day. I go, I love when you send me photos that you took. Yeah. I post those things up, man. Oh. I get likes, man. Huge response. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't. I will say this right now. Do it. All jokes aside, yeah. I'm not talking about getting laid. Of course. I'm talking about anything like that. We're serious. Two-thirds of the opportunities of my profession have come by way of Esteban, the work we've done together, of him introducing passing off the work that we did together and Esteban's a huge part of my career has happened in regards to uh, to stuff we did together man I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for early on Esteban some of the things that we pulled together in him you know and that's just the truth bro I right. owe it and he knows it and I tell him all the time I go I owe you man big time that's her who's her that's her in 1996 how is it possible that your wife got hotter over time? Do you even Angel, do you even age? I don't believe it. In, just in between her ears. Yeah, that's it. But she still looks the same. Oh, that's love. How long have you guys been married? Uh, well, we've been together for 23 years. Awesome. Um, so Let's go to some, wh- what's the craziest photograph you ever took that you personally feel, you, what's the craziest photograph you ever took? Uh, Feeling-wise or, or looking-wise? Up to you. Esteban's choice. I would say feeling-wise, probably uh, Afghanistan in the prison where they have the Taliban. No shit. Prison, yeah, in Kabul, outside of Kabul. I enough. felt the most like um I I was I felt the most alone and vulnerable because I'm in a country that was it was right at that time we were in the war. Yeah. And somebody offered me, "Hey, would you want to go shoot the prison where the Taliban is?" And I was like, wow. "Yeah, sure, cuz I'll wow. take anybody up on a photo shoot sure. where they're offering some crazy shit." Because ninety nine percent of them don't come through. People yeah, are just, he will. You know, caught, you know, like they're just trying to high sign, but they don't. They can't make it happen. Right. But this guy could make it happen, and I didn't know. And he's just like, the next day I was at the prison, and he's like, 
Yeah, I'm gonna send you with my people, and you just go take prison. Uh, some because I had showed him some photos that I had done in a Panama prison. Why did he want to do this? Why did this guy, Mister Mister Mysterio, why did he want you to go to Afghanistan and take these pictures? No, I went with my friend David Cho for his birthday to the Middle East. We went to Turkey, Dubai, and Afghanistan. It was I for see. his birthday. Got it. You were just on a trip. Yeah, he took three friends, me and two of his other friends, and we just went on a trip and. I didn't know what we were going there for until we got there. He was like, oh, it's my birthday. I just wanted to bring some of my friends for my birthday. And I was like, cool. So the this guy we met in Afghanistan, he uh, owned some of the TV stations. And he was like, so what kind of stuff do you shoot? And at that time, right on my desktop, I had a, a, a folder that said, you know, it was a Panama prison folder. And like my eye went right to that, and I just pressed it and opened it up, and I showed him some of the pictures that I did in this prison in Panama. And he was like, "Hey, would you want to shoot a prison out here?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." He goes, "Well, I could send you a prison where you know some of the Taliban soldiers have been sent." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And when I went to the prison in, in Panama, the guards searched me and looked through all my stuff. They opened up the gate and they passed me you know through the gate to the guy that i was going to take pictures of his name was uh, maton which means killer so right when i walk in maton was there and i had met him before and he's like yeah you know come come in you know on uh i think it was on a sunday when i met him or a saturday and he said on monday you know the prison's gonna let you come in and shoot me i was like oh, okay cool monday comes i go in the prison they shut the gate behind me and and I, I hear the, the, you know, they open the gate and they tell me, okay, go through. And Maton was there. I go, hey, what's up? You know, how's it going? And he was like, yeah, you know. And he tells one of the other prisoners, hey, carry his bag. <laughs> so yeah. right and away. Did. Yeah, right away I was like being like taken care of, you know. Yeah, they're right. looking out for me. Right. And I hear the fence closing behind me. So I'm thinking that the guard is closing the gate with him inside. Uh-uh. And the, the gate goes, you know, click. And I look back. He goes, hey, come back here at 4 o'clock. He tells Maton, hey, have him be back here at 4. It was like 10 in the morning. And I was like, what the fuck? And I go, oh, man. <laughs> they locked mother- you in? Yeah, yeah, this motherfucker just closed the gate and with me in here with him over there. <laughs> right. Like, oh, he's on the safe side. Yeah, I'm in here now. Yeah. Right. Like, and, Welcome uh, to prison. Yeah. And I in was Panama. Like, yeah, I was just with another homie that, you know, who knew Maton. And so I was like, fuck, I'm stuck. You know, like if some shit happens, <laughs> you know, I'm in here. Most people are trying to get out of prison. Right. And I'm I'm in here like, you know, there ain't nobody. To, the guards are over there. Right. By the time so they run like, to you. Yeah. So I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck it. You know, like, you know, you can't show no fear. Right. Because you're in with the fucking sharks. And right. Like, so you just got to roll with it. I was like, as soon as I heard the door click and I realized what happened, yeah, I was like, oh, shit. And then I just told the guard, okay, I'll see you at four, you know? Right. And no I sweat walk. off my brow. All right. All right, John. All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> see you back Don't then. come back too early, all right? I'm trying to do so something. So I roll in and take all these fucking, I had unlimited access, you know, because I'm with this guy and he goes wherever he wants in the prison and he showed me everything, like the dude who sells the drugs in there, you know, opens his hand and has got a uh, handful of these little, you know, $10 Coke packs in wow. his hand. I go to the other guys and they're pulling out their shanks. I'm going to this other guy. He has a snake and I go meet this other guy. A He's snake. the guy who has a store. 
you know, he's holding up all his, you know, bags of chips and everything that you can buy shit. Another guy has phones. And I'm like, fuck. They're like, yeah, this is the phone guy. You know, take a picture of him with his phone. Hey, this is the guy who has a Coke. You know, I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait a damn. second. So we were not even out again. Why are you in Panama? To, like, how does this Maton just a big fan of yours? And he's like, listen, why don't you come mm -hmm. down to my prison? No, I pretty much run everything in here. No, the, the guy that I went with. Yeah. Him and his he had a friend that was busted there. And they had made a music studio inside the prison. In Panama. In Panama. Holy that guy got out of the prison, and then the studio was handed over to Maton. And so my friend from this side, uh, he was like, hey, we should shoot a documentary on this music studio in the thing. Hell yeah. In the prison. And how the, the music helps the prisoners you know, pass the time. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, what do, what's the next step? Well, he goes, well, let's go and down and you can go in there and check it out and scout it. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And they said, uh, you know, you can go in and take pictures like location scout and see, you know, what you kind of want to shoot, yeah. but you can't film nothing. And I was like, all right. So my friend tells me you can't film nothing, but maybe you, if you can figure out a way to get a camera a filming camera in there because at that time they didn't have digital yeah. you know let's do it so i took my bolex 16 millimeter camera and i just took it apart and put the pieces in there the lenses and stuff and so when the guys were searching my bag they're like okay there's a lens there's a lens there's a lens this is they camera. didn't see a working camera they didn't see a working film camera right so when I get inside there, I put it all back together, and now I can shoot some 16-millimeter film camera, and I could shoot some photos. Yeah. So I shot that whole shit, and then that's what I showed to this guy in Afghanistan. He was like, yeah, you know, if you want to come in and shoot this prison in Kabul, I got you. So the next day, a van came, picked me up. I went with his guy who just speaks no English. Right. We drive an hour outside of town instead of this prison. The guy comes out and he's like, yeah, you know. Hold I'm, on, hold I'm, on. What is the prison? I mean, come on. Let, it's like when I look, when anyone tells me about Afghanistan, all I think about is dusty fucking rock and dry ass roads. Right. So what did you see when you walk, went up to the prison? Like, what did the prison look like? It's all it? dirt. There's houses on this side. Dirt road. It's houses on this side. The prison's on this side. Big walls, barbed wire fence. Like everywhere in the world, they're kind of like the same structure, just, you know, designed differently. Right. We pull up. This guy comes out and goes like, you know, what are you guys doing here? What do you want to do? And this, the guys that I'm with are telling him, hey, you know, he's here to shoot the prison. And he's like, not this prison. <laughs> you know, we haven't heard about it. And the guy's like, you know, I'm just assuming that's what they're saying. Because right. I'm just watching the, the body language. Right. And then the guy that I'm with, the van, is like, well, yeah, you know, it's all hooked up for him to shoot. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. You know, so then... Um, the guy says, he say no, you know, I go, yeah, okay, I get that. You right. Know? But I go, can I call our guy? And so he calls him and I go, hey, uh, this guy's saying I can't come in and shoot the p prison, you know, um, what should we do? He goes, hold on a minute, put, put him on the phone. He gets on the phone and he starts yelling at him. The guy's yelling back. Turns out we're at a women's prison, the wrong direction. So now we had to go back an hour into town and then an hour the other way holy so shit. he goes the guy's gonna take you to the main like main warden of all the prisons so we go up to this 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 place where all the guards are for all the prisons and to the road to get in there 
there's these barricades like you know they're they're set up to where you have to zigzag into this no one structure. can just drive a yeah, car directly up to it because it might be packed with fucking tnt or whatever right blow this fucking shit to smithereens got it so we go in this you know zigzag road and we get to the guardhouse and the guy explains them hey we're going to see you know the main guy of all the wardens the main goes, dude yeah so he goes go to that building there so we go up like six seven stories and upstairs there's no elevator and each floor has a guy with an ak-47 mm-hmm. just looking straight ahead you know hand on the trigger and on the on the barrel he's ready for action but you walk by him they don't even look at you it's like straight militant we get up to the floor and the guy goes why you want to take picture taliban and i was like <laughs> <laughs> guy set it up you know he's like you want picture taliban i was like yeah, 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 he, yeah. He sent me to take pictures, and then you could hear him going, American and Taliban, and, you know, you, you just hear him flipping hating, out. Hating, talking, hating it. Yeah, like going crazy on the dude in the van, and the guy's like, hey, I don't know, this mm, other guy hooked you know. it up. Like, my boss hooked it up. Like, don't fucking trip on me. Right, I'm just a messenger. Yeah, so the guy's like, you want picture Taliban? He grabs a stack of, like, four-by-six photos, like, four inches thick, and, like, slams it on the desk in front of me. And like you know, some of the pictures scattered, and uh-huh. it was there. There you go, picture of Taliban. <laughs> and I'm looking through these pictures, and they're all like mug shots and stuff. <laughs> this yeah, guy's dope. probably like, this guy's probably like, man, I fucking take pictures of Taliban <laughs> all damn day. I don't get a fucking ride and some fucking chauffeur and a yeah. guide. No one gives a shit of pictures I take. And then this American comes in here, and he's going to take. He just didn't know why or what for what. You yeah. Know? Like and. The photos that he had were like the mug shots of when the prisoners were just getting there. Yeah. It wasn't like prison lifestyle photos. It was just like this guy against this wall. Right. Identification purposes yeah. only. Right. So he's like, here, take those photos. You know, like, take those. <laughs> like, that's the same here, thing. Here, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Like, take yeah. this and go home with you. And I was Can like. Can you imagine that? You know what that's like? That's like. You know what that's like? That's like that mo- was like Polly B telling you you weren't ready for a fucking steak dinner. No, no. You know what? I wasn't ready for a steak. He was right about that, by the way. But w- dude, no, it's like Mozart, right? Mozart like coming to like uh, a fucking like a music store or whatever and saying like, hey, can I, you know, record some sounds around here in the store? And then the music store owner taking out like the voicemail and saying, you want music from the store? <laughs> here, voicemail. It's like yeah. Mozart's right there. So then. Uh the the guy explains to him, you know, like, this guy set it up. Just take, you know, give us a pass to get in there. He's out. He yells at the guy, and he goes, okay, go, you know. <laughs> so then we, we get, get the, the green Get the fuck out of my face. So we get the green light, and we go to this prison. And the, the warden there is like an asshole, and he's pissed off already. Everybody's an asshole so Dude, far. Dude, listen, he's, uh, he's uh, breaking mad. news, it's Kabul, and it's a prison. I don't... Th- yeah, people are going to be American. fucking pissed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get there, and the dude reminds me, I don't know if you guys... I know Lucky has seen the movie called uh, Midnight, Midnight Express. Express. Yeah, of course. Which one? Which one is he? The main guy, the warden. Oh, the motherfucker that gets killed in here? Yeah. Oh, hell no. So he has that vibe to him. <laughs> oh, and he's wearing like no. the same kind of clothes. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, oh, he this is He probably saw that movie. Right? He probably yeah. is emulating that movie. Same yeah. age and everything. Straight so I, this guy hates me, you know, yeah. like, right off the bat. 
So he takes me in there, and the first thing we see is like 500 men and kids. And I'm like, damn, I wonder what this is. And I figured out that no women were allowed to visit the prison, that all those were like dads, brothers, you know, and and family member kids of the prisoners. Prisoner. Yeah. Right. Women aren't allowed to come. No. No, nah, you can't have that. So we go in there. And I just shoot shots of them because I'm thinking those guys are prisoners and they're on some kind of lineup for go to chow or some shit or go to the yard or whatever. So I'm just shooting some of them and they look crazy and cool as fuck. So I go into now they take me to another parts of the prison. I'm taking pictures of the guy who's like the TV repairman, the guy who's, uh, you know, he's a teacher. He's in the, you know, with all the the desks and the chalkboard. He's writing shit on the wall. And then they start taking me to uh, what you'd call here like dorms, you know, where there's multiple prisoners in. Stacked up. Yeah, like, you know, 30, 40 guys. Right. So I get to that part and I'm wondering, like, are these guys going to put me in the gate and then close the door behind me with all Taliban fools and and be like, okay, go get your pictures. (laughs) And now I'm in there and like. You know, here with the stories and things you hear about uh, prison is when there's like press or outside people going into a prison situation, the guys in the cells are throwing piss at them or shit Shit, or stuff like that. So I'm expecting that. Right. I'm American in a prison in Afghanistan. And and the Taliban is our actual enemy. Right. It's not. And we're at war. Right. So I'm thinking I'm at least going to get spit on, piss thrown on me, shit thrown at me, something. But the show must go on. Right. I just, I'm there. When am I going to eat cheese and look like a pussy and not Not, do it? You got to rep LA, dude. Right. You can't fuck around. So I go in there and start taking pictures and the guy goes, no, go closer. You know, like, cause I was like ten feet away. <laughs> he's like, all right, I got my zoom lens. I yeah. don't need to get that close. Yeah, he's like, you know, go up to the to the bars. Um, you know, so <laughs> now I'm thinking, like, touch him. Yeah, just put your hand in the yeah. bars. <laughs> I'm thinking all this crazy shit, yeah. and then I'm like looking back, and he's like, go, go. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, fuck it, you know. So I go all the way up to the bars and start taking pictures, and the guys are loving it. They're yeah. fucking smiling. They're yeah. like having a great oh, time. Yeah. And they're being the coolest fuck and. There's one guy, they go, hey, take a picture of him. And there's only one guy has his shirt off. The rest of them have, you know, the fully clothed with hats on. Yeah. This only one guy, he's wearing pants and he's got his shirt off and he's kind of like on swole. Yeah. And and he's posing like 30, 40 feet away, like all, you know, flexing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's kind of like similar to back home like you know the, the inmates you know working out who's who's on swole and then they were all recognizing that this was the guy different country same prison right so i take pictures of him and then they go okay you know come over here they took me to another spot and took some more pictures and the whole time i'm just fucking like kind of like high you know i'm just walking through this place just going like fuck like i'm in a prison with nobody that speaks a word of english right and with in a war zone with people that are our country's enemies right and i'm here by myself there's nobody gonna back me up here right nobody the guards ain't gonna do shit like they might fucking throw me in there to just see what i do or you know put me you know so when you say what was the craziest, like that was some of the feelings that were going through me when I was there. 
you know right. big luck wasn't there to you know bomb on somebody from the side <laughs> of, yeah. if some shit went crazy my wife wasn't there to you know like i didn't have nobody there and i was in a i was in a place where you know some if some shit was going to happen it was going to happen there let me ask you a question because if I do anything remotely dangerous, my wife fucking goes crazy because she's like, "You can't be r risking yourself like that." Did Angel get mad that you went deep into Afghanistan into a prison and an enemy thing? She didn't know, and and she probably would have said, "Man, go over there. Don't be a fucking pussy, man." <laughs> Is that true, Angel? He didn't tell me until after. Yeah, well, that's the smart move. And Yeah, my wife, dude, if I tell her, like, yeah, I'm going to get on this motorcycle and I'm going to blah, she's like, no, you're not. And I was that so I got to tell her after the fact. And then she gives me, she reads me the riot act. I want to I say something about his, about Esteban's photos that I wanted to get clear on was, was that, um, you know what, man? It's the, it's, man, I've seen people in the last 10 years go with their iPhone or with their camera. I've even seen dudes that try and be like, kind of do what Esteban does and go take pictures of like, I don't know, just some of the similar content that Steve does. And here's the thing. Esteban is always taking these pictures, man. And it's like, it's like he's taking the pictures almost for himself. Right Not for the people, he's taking it for himself, and there's an honesty to that. There's an honesty to where Steve's taking the picture of something that he finds cool, like how he said, "I only push the button if it's something that I like." Like that transpires into his. He doesn't get the perfect posed, dude. Hey, stand right there. Like it's not that picture, and there's and that. That transpires through Estevan's pictures, which you can give any great photographer a camera and send them in the same arena. And for one, they're not going to get the same picture because they're not Estevan. Right. Who who those people in the world that we're in are going to be more comfortable in themselves. For right. one. Right. They're not. It's not him. So it's not Estevan. So that's not going to happen. But also the same. So they're not looking to shoot the same thing that he's looking to shoot. He's looking to shoot something that he's going after that he found attractive 25 years ago. He's the not whole replicating reason. something that somebody no. else thinks is so cool. There's an honesty to his photos. And I'm going to right now say that there is, of course, the pictures of my neighborhood, the shit I love the best. OK, that makes sense. But there's two sets of there's two photos that I love, bro, yeah. of Esteban's. Yeah. Okay. My favorite photo, there's a photo that Esteban took, and it's a car. It's a car seat. It's a front of a car seat, and in between the car cushion, the car seat. Yeah. There's a gun tucked right in between. It's the way you would have a gun. If you were rolling or you went in somewhere like to the liquor store or whatever and you've got a strap. Yeah. Or if you're driving and you're like keeping an eye out for your enemy, it's right where you would keep a strap in a car. Yeah. But the way he got the photo of it, you can just see a piece of it gleaming. I'm going to email you the picture. Send it to me. The picture is like it speaks in volume. When you look at it, you're just like someone, somebody like me looks at it. You feel it. You're like, fuck, that's the shit. Like, yeah. I want to do my whole wall with just that photo. I love that. It's the sickest photo. It speaks volume. And then the other one is the one. 
It came out in FM. I think it came out in FMH magazine. What were the brothers that you shot? That one light skinned brother with all the fucking that got shot up like fucking ten times. Uh, it was a uh, Rolling Twenties. It was uh, his name was Bloodhound. He got shot. Bloodhound shot and stabbed twenty six times. Yeah, the the. There's something about the photo shoot with this dude, like the look in his eyes. There's a reason it made it to FMH magazine and all that, bro. But there's, there's, you look at it, bro, and it's like he brings you on this adventure that he goes. Yeah. And it's like you can feel this dude's like his anger, what he's been through, like everything, bro. It's, it's, it, some of my favorite photos are from that particular photo shoot. And that one with the gun. But the, what I'm getting at is the honesty. Even the one where I'm throwing up that X3. Yeah. We didn't expect all that to happen. But there's people always v- tell me about that photo. They're like, dude, the way that that's throwing up. Like, they see something in that. And there's just like an honesty to like his photos. Like an authenticity. There's an authenticity, man. And it's the same thing that comes in those L.A. hands. Like, you couldn't have planned it. But it was something that Esteban and was looking for like he liked it and that likeness it comes through and it's like the shit that i like it's Dude, the same I, reason we're after it so <clears throat> so because people can't see this esteban handed me his uh, i guess you're it's this a, this an iphone right Correct. okay he doesn't fuck around with an android he's got an uh, uh, iphone and uh he's got pictures uh show me a pictures and these are the dudes that were in the afghanistan jail and dude, look what you just said, right? Let me describe this because because uh, uh, I don't because people can't see this, but what Esteban has here framed in his phone, okay, is you see these bars, and these are like old timey prison bars, like they, they, it's there's no plexiglass, and you can see the chipped paint. It's almost like Rorschach tests on the fucking bars, and it's this chipped paint, and behind these bars, it's like a collection of faces and it's black and white so it's got that kind of dramatic aspect of it and there's a guy that's right in the middle and he's got uh, i mean it really looks like a pure joy grin on his face and then right next to him is this really dark bearded guy and his eyes look frightened and terrified and one of the guys is holding the boy's just touching it and you're looking at this and you're getting a sense of the misery the fucking decrepitude the lack of 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 like you get a sense of doom and yet camaraderie at the same time. Mm, and it's crazy. It's fucking beautiful. This is a this is a beautiful picture. Have other people told you that's a beautiful picture? Uh, yeah. I, yes. Yeah. I love this guy right there is looking at us like you don't. I'm fucking t- terrified. And then the guy right next to him was like, go, go that way or one time. Yeah. Let's see. That's the muscle guy. Yeah. That's the Charles Bronson of fucking Afghanistan <laughs> right there. Right? Kind of looks like Charles Bronson. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, so you guys can't see this. I love describing your pictures. That's the fucking most fun I ever had. So you're looking. I swear to God. So you're looking through. Dude, how many people are in that? Listen. Let, I'm describing the picture. So, yeah, there's like probably like 30 people almost in that looks like in that photograph. And the bars are up close and they're out of focus. So you can't you know, the bars are there, but they're soft because he's focusing on fucking Afghanistan. Charles Bronson in the back. (laughs) And the dude is wearing like they look like Alibaba pantaloon pants like they're very baggy and he's got them tight. He's got his shirt off. 
And he's definitely thick. I mean, th- that dude, I mean, he's the most muscular in there. And he's got like a beard, like a slight beard, like a kind of like a Freudian beard with a little little mustache. Got a little mustache. And then he's got kind of looks like a bowl cut haircut. And he looks as proud as fuck right now. He's flexing and he's like, hell yes. Take a picture of this body. You need to tell America about this body. This is what we're doing over here in Kabul. We're going to Kabul blow your shit up. This is what we're doing. Right? That's amazing. I love that. And the other guys are excited, too. Here, I'm going to pass this to Sean. Take a look at that. That right there, dude. Now, I'm not, you know, listen. I think the guy can, you know, maybe eat a little bit leaner protein and, you know what I mean? Maybe. So? So, that, that's awesome. That's so fast. That's fucking brilliant. Um, so, let me ask you this. What's the, what's the worst photograph you ever took? Like, were you, what, what's the worst what's one? What's the worst shit ever? What was the worst experience? I would say a, a job that I was doing for the money. Like, a job that I had to do where... You know, I had bills that needed to be paid, and I was offered a job, and they're like, you know, hey, do you want to do this? And the first thing I said to myself was, fuck no, I don't want to touch this shit. <laughs> but the the next second, I was thinking, oh, wait a minute, you got the mortgage, you got the car payment, you got the this or that. And I was like, you know, yeah, I'd love to do that job. Right. You know, and I was like, fuck, man, uh-huh. I'm tortured the whole time, like. Every step of the, from the time I saw what the job was to the time I was finished and I got the check, it was, I was like, fuck, man. And there's certain things that I don't ever want to shoot. And, yeah. And I've, I've. Like what? I've roughed it because I didn't accept certain jobs. Yeah. There was a, there was shoots like one thing I hate to do is is family stuff, weddings, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> oh Holy shit! Who's got the balls big enough to ask Esteban to shoot a wedding? Everybody. Oh my god! Oh my dude. god! Yeah. Who are these people? Who is they, that? They just are, they just think like he takes pictures, and I need this kind of picture taken. So, you know, we'll pay you. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm doing <laughs> I mean, shit for free, <laughs> but. It's torture, you know. Like I've shot weddings for friends that they're like, "Hey, can you, like, we'll have we'll have our own photographer there, you know, the 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 generic yeah, wedding photographer, right. but can you just come and do some, you know, a Stevan or a black and white shit?" I was like, "Yeah, all right, cool," you know. Like I've shot a couple of homies that couldn't afford a photographer all at right. their wedding. Yeah, I shot like two two weddings like that. Where they couldn't really ask me for anything, you know? Right. They weren't like, hey, can you shoot uh, my mom with Cousin Jimmy? Because Cousin Jimmy comes from 3,000 miles away. We never <laughs> see him. And it'd be so cool to shoot mom with Jimmy because, you know, we don't know if they'll ever get together again. You know, yeah. like all, the, all that shit I don't have to worry about. Right. Because I don't do those, you know. the But... Uh, I would say family things and product things. I, I hate it's just doing like that straight shit. torture. And product what about shots? Product shots? Yeah, product shots. Like, a, like, like shoot, you know, this product that, you know, this new uh, speaker that I'm shooting or making, you know? I would think that like the fucking... Or com- shoes or something, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I would, be, I would think that the companies would be just fucking coming out the gate to try to get you to take one of your Estevan shots 
in the location that's got the authenticity with the like beats by Dre or whatever right. the fuck shit is in the frame. I would assume that they would be asking you all day, every day to do that. Right. But it's you're uh, like, no, nah, I don't do that. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get you all hot and wet thinking you're going to get some sick ass pictures of your your speaker in the hood with a lowrider <laughs> you know it's like some graffiti in the background or whatever like i'm not doing that shit right I, I you know and i'll give them people's numbers that you know that do do that that, that don't mind doing it They're, right they just love doing photography right i love it so much that i don't want to compromise myself doing some shit that i don't want to but i have had to do it because of the bills yeah. and um that's the worst, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like it could be worse, you know, could be, at could least be. I'm still able to, I'm doing photography and not digging a ditch, but just, you, you know, could be swinging a hammer with Zerga still. Right. Right. Exactly. I think about that when I do law work, there's some law work parts of it where I'm like alone in a room writing a brief for a long ass time. And I'm like, fuck. And then I think like, it could be, I could be roofing in Arizona. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Laying hot tar. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. You could be yeah. painting a fucking, some, uh, street, you know, lines in the street in Palm Springs. Now here's a, here's another thing I was kind of curious about, dude. That's another thing. Um, without saying names so you can preserve your relationships. Cause I don't want you to fucking blow anyone up. But in any of these celebrity, have you ever shot a celebrity? Yeah, not many. Okay. Was there any celebrities where it was crazy? You're like, like you don't have to tell me who it was, but like, was there anything where they were like, listen, I'm only, listen, I'm going to have like, what I want to do is I'm going to have two cups of white milk and I'm going to put them on my belly and then I want you. Was there anything that was crazy or were they all cool? Um, most of them are cool. You you get like maybe anywhere from five minutes to a half hour to do a photo shoot with like celebrities because their publicists are there, their managers, their lawyers, their accountants, their <laughs> dog walker, their nanny. <laughs> Everybody comes with them and it's like, okay, what do we need to do here? You know, what, are you ready? Are you ready? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this guy's ready to do the shoot. Are you ready? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm ready. You, know, <laughs> I, you think I came here not ready? Stupid. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I tell the, whoever the celebrity is, hey, can you come over here? Let's do this shot, you know, shoot right against here. And yeah, yeah, cool. Everybody's cool. But there have been the one, the worst, the worst part of doing shoots of celebrities is working with the publicists because they are like, you know, they're the worst. Because they're trying to control the shot. They want to control everything and they're like nitpicking everything and they, they never let you just do what you're, what you want to do. Right. And so whenever there's a publicist involved, you're just like, oh, fuck, man. They fuck up everything. idiot's going to come here. And how much longer are you going to do? You know, are we gonna, are we done here? Can we do And you're just like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, I'm trying to do art. Can you imagine, like, when the actors are acting in their movie and there's somebody going, no, can you do it like this? We can, you know, like, cutting them off and, like, you, you never get the right shit how about you know? the agent i mean the agents can mess up shit too man with the agents and managers all er, every true. creative person their team could f fucks up them i believe re that. Re regardless Esteban, let me ask you this now how about this yeah, get how close. about this let me ask you this um have you ever have you ever been starstruck bro and i know oh, that you fuck yeah Come on, talk about. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about like the most. Come on, bro. The most. The most starstruck I ever got 
was shooting Robert De Niro and I don't want to hear about that. Come on, bro. Tell me that. about that. Shit. Holy shit. That was like. Let's the, get calm in the room. I okay. want to hear this. All right, calm like, down. I got chills. Look at that. I got oh, chills. Yeah. Me too. I did too. I did. Hey, because, uh, you know. What was we, it for? It was for a movie poster called Righteous Kill that nobody saw. Yeah, it was like one of those straight to DVD movies, but. The good part about the straight to DVD part was that my picture was on the cover of the DVD. Nice. What so that, year was this? What Robert De Niro are we talking about? Uh, I would say maybe eight years ago, ten years ago. Okay. So uh, still solid. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think. I, How did that I, go down? Like. Well, the night before, you must have been a nervous. What would he get there in the morning? Okay, this is a good one. It has, yeah. Yeah, okay, on it has to do with uh, managers and wives and everything. Okay. <laughs> Partners. And um, so what they wanted was uh, the the movie company originally called because they wanted to do a, um, a collabo with Cartoon to do a Rob Deerdick skateboard. And... They were like, hey, you know, they those movie company called us. They want us to do a skateboard for Rob Deerdick. And Rob Deerdick was, you know, he was he had a name, but he's not Al Pacino or Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obvious. Or 50 Obvious. Cent, you know? Right. Exactly. So, right, 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 right. I was like, oh, man. You know, like, mm, you know, that's cool. But, you know, it's just another job in the industry. And, you know, yeah, Cartoon needs to do it and blah, blah, blah. But as I started thinking about it, I was like, fuck, you know, like me, you and Toons are those are two of our favorite actors ever. Mm -hmm. And all their majority of their work is the best we've ever seen. Right. So I was like thinking about thinking about it, going, fuck, man, like we're working on the same project that uh, that. Uh, De Niro and Pacino are going to be on and Cartoon has this opportunity to work on that same project you know for our company but it's not the project that that I think we could do and should do so I tell uh, our partner and Cartoon I was like hey man you know at that time uh, Shepard Fair had done an alternative marketing poster for Walk the Line and it was a a drawing of uh, fuck what was his name Son of a bitch. Anyways, the star of uh, the Johnny Cash movie. Oh. Oh. Um, Phoenix. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, so he, he drew like a picture of Joaquin Phoenix from the back and did this like, you know, his Shepherd Fairy stuff around the picture. And it was like fucking dope. It was like a really cool alternative marketing for that movie. So I was thinking like, hey, why don't we pitch them to do the same type of thing for this? We do the alternative poster for them because the poster they had was garbage. It was like a canvas backdrop with um, C stands, you know, like a photo shoot was going to happen. But they just took a picture of that uh, backdrop with the C stands with the light pointing at the camera at the at the canvas. And that was the shot. And then they put a letter from uh, the murderer from the movie. They superimposed like his writing on top of that canvas. And I was like, man, that is that that's what they're doing for this fucking movie. That shit is garbage. And they go, <laughs> oh, well, we have another one where that's the backdrop. And then we put in Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, their faces. 
And I was like, fuck, man, I know I could kill that. I know I could do better than that, you know, if I had the opportunity. And at that time, those type of jobs were paying like two hundred to $500,000 to if you got the job to do a movie God poster. Damn, that was like Ooh. the budget. Photography. <sighs> need a few of those, Steve. Layout. Need a few of those. Just <laughs> right. One a year. Yeah. I mean, it. What, that's or, all you need. Or like one a month. Yes. You right. know, like <laughs> one a month. <laughs> one job a month. They're not asking nothing Too crazy, much. you no. know, but I know people that are doing it and they're right. fucking killing it. So I was thinking like, you know, everybody has, a, you know, the same amount of limbs on them. They have a brain and shit. Like, you know, we could do the same shit that these guys are doing and maybe even better. Right. So I told my partners, hey, pitch them that. And they're like, oh, man, you're fucking crazy. You know, like, they ain't, they ain't going for that. They want to skateboard and you want to do the poster. They want to skateboard with the guy who might be in the movie. If you blink your eyes, you miss him. <laughs> and you want to do something for the main guy's that you know is gonna be the representation for the movie all around the world. Like, yeah, but you're like, dude, go big or go home. Let's right. fucking do this. Exactly. Where somebody gets fired if they don't listen to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I tell my partners, and they're like, forget about it. you're tripping. <laughs> I tell I get cartoon because I'm burning up, losing it. I'm like, fuck, man. Like we gotta at least try, you know? Right. So yeah. it's only two people going to the movie. One of our partners and cartoon. I go, a tune just do that shit spit it out like you know just get it out there put it out there and he's like yeah let's do it you I know so that. he goes to the meeting they go to the meeting without me tune pitches and they're like okay yeah like you you want to try and do that you know on a spec meaning for free you want to do like a spec job and and if we use it we pay you and he was yeah okay cool yeah go ahead you guys try it we'll give you the photos and you guys do the layout so we get the photos and they're garbage. I go, hey man, we need to do it to where I'm shooting the photos. <laughs> like, fuck these photos, you yeah. know? Like we need to get it, you know, both of us a collab on it. And so they go back and they pitch that, and they're like, oh, sorry guys, you know, we already pitched the movie. the The movie's shot. If you guys want to do it, go ahead and do it with the photos. And the cartoon's like, man, these photos are whack. You know, I need to get my guy in there. He'll do exactly what I need so that I could draw the best picture. Please. And they're like, sorry, man, the movie shot. We already paid all the money for these posters. There's no money. If you guys do something incredible, you know, we'll give you a little something. And, you know, go ahead and get started on it. So it comes up. There's a reshoot. And the guys have to come back, and um, they say Robert De Niro shoots on, like, uh, Tuesday, and Al Pacino shoots on Thursday. Okay. But there's a day off in between on the Wednesday. Like, the, they don't bring it up. So they, they go, hey, now's your chance. If you want to get down there, you shoot pictures of Bobby this day, and you shoot Al this day, and you can do, like, you know, some superimposing shit, put them both on the same, you know, photo. Like, yeah, whatever, cool, let's do it. I get there the first day. I'm there for eight hours, and the director goes, "Hey, where's that guy that's supposed to do the movie poster shoot?" Hold on, Stefan, you're you're there waiting for eight hours to take these pictures. Yeah, hold okay. on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Okay, so is this being shot in L.A.? Yeah, these in Culver City at the, the studios. Yeah. Okay, so there's studios in Culver City. So you go down there, and you're not late. You're like, I'm gonna get there. I'm I got there like an hour early. Like, damn straight. That's my man. That's my like, man. Waiting in the car. I'm not fucking this off. No chance. You right. Know? Leaders are early. On my way there, I go and buy a camera, a brand new camera from <laughs> Sammy's camera because 
in case this one fucks up. Yeah, I'm just there's <sighs> I'm not gonna take no there's no room for fuck up here. Guess what? Guess who's gonna be sitting second chair with me at the next trial? Yeah. That's the way you gotta think. We bring two laptops to the trial because one might fuck up. Yeah. And you don't want that shit fucked up in front of the jury. Right. This man's on top of So on. I go by the camera, I go to the shoot. I'm there. I'm there eight hours. A guy goes, "Hey, you know where's that guy?" And I already picked out where I'm gonna shoot. There was this one building there where the the wall was gray. It hit the corner, and the, the that wall was black, and the, it was in the shade, so there's no problems with shading or you know the sun fucking up anything. So I go, "I got the perfect place. All we need to do is take the guy from inside to outside the door. I shoot him on the black wall. I shoot him on the gray wall. It's done. Boom. The light goes down. The sun goes down." It's over. I'm oh, there eight no. hours. I only got this one shot. They go, yeah, here, you can take a picture right now, Mr. De Niro. So the way they have the set lit is they're lighting them sitting down. So if they stand up, the light is coming from underneath, and that's the worst lighting you could ever do mm. on a photograph. It's like when people hold a flashlight under them. Yeah, it's scary. Like it's lame as light. It's ugly. And so they go, hey, yeah, come and shoot right now. You know, shoot him on the set. So I go shoot him. He stands up. There's that ugly ass lighting. And he's all, what are we doing here? What's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're shooting for the poster. <laughs> oh, okay, no. cool. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are, what's going on here? Does he sound like Robert De Niro when he yeah. said, it sounds 100%. just like, okay. Yeah. So wait a second, wait a second. What are we doing here? <laughs> the guy's all, yeah, the guy's here to shoot, you know, these pictures for the movie poster. Go, oh, okay, okay. And then he, he grabs a leading girl and he goes, here, come in the photo with me. <sighs> and so now I got him and the girl, which all I need is him. Right. Because it's going to be him and Al. Right. We don't need the girl. Right. So I got like two clicks and they go, okay, everybody back in. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, you know. And so the, then they're shooting, they do a couple scenes and then they go, the director goes, so did you get the shot that you need of Bobby? And I go, No. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, this is for the movie poster. And he goes, yeah. Did you get? You took a picture, right? I go, yeah, but like, I need a picture that's gonna represent your movie. I need a great picture of him because this is representing your movie. This is the first thing that everybody sees, right? When they see, when they see this, that's what makes them think like, I want to go see that movie, right? Do you think I got the shot? And he goes, no. And I go, okay. <laughs> so then uh the day the, you know the sun goes down i'm like i can't do the, i can't do it i can't do the shots because this is my thing i shoot in the fucking natural light i don't lose a bunch of gimmicks and shit it's just the person outside in the daylight now are you now at this point are you like on the set just watching the scene go down yeah i'm watching all of it okay. all the reshoot go down we leave I'm with my one of my partners, and he's rolling with me, like my liaison. And I'm like, I can't shoot, you know? The sun went down, and he goes, okay, fuck it, you know? So we go back, he sends an email out, hey, uh, we didn't get the shot today because, you know, the light went down. So then they sent out an email to, like, 60 people in the that are from the production. It's like everybody, like, from the fucking pro executive producers to the PAs got this email with the whole cast and it said Esteban Oriol didn't get the photos that we need for the poster so we're gonna go with just cartoon drawing from the photos that we have previously so it, when I'm looking at the thing 
It says Esteban Oreo fucked up. Right, <laughs> of course. That's it. That's right. all I see. Yeah, Big yeah. black, you know. Esteban couldn't get the shit yeah, done. Now thirty we point cartoon. font. <laughs> and I'm just fucking losing it. So I call my wife, and I tell her. I go, hey, these motherfuckers had me waiting for fucking eight <laughs> hours. Like, don't they know who I think I am? These mm. fucking pieces of shit. Right. Fucked me on this, you know, opportunity I have. I go, they sent out an email to like 60 motherfuckers in the production. I just look like a fucking idiot. Like, I can't do, like, I can't handle the shit. Right. And she goes, okay, so what are you going to do now? And I go, well, that's it. I was supposed to shoot him today, and that's it. You know, the next shoot was supposed to be Thursday of Al Pacino, but since I fucked it up, they sent this email out. And she goes, wait a minute. And she goes, aren't you the guy? Because I had shot Dennis Hopper prior to that a couple years before, and I told her, man, if I ever shot Al Pacino or Robert De Niro, I could quit. You know, I got Dennis Hopper, one of those guys. I'm cool, you know? like right. I could I could quit. This and is your Mount Everest. Yeah, like I, you know, that's it. I'm I've done everything I wanted to do. And she was, aren't you the guy that said like if you shot Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, that you could you could quit after that? And I go, yeah. And she goes, damn. So that was like your dream. And I go, yeah. Damn. And she goes, so you're sitting there standing next to your dream, and Ooh. you just fucking let it, you know, let it go like that. And damn. I go, yeah. And she's like, hmm. She goes. I I thought, you know, <laughs> thought like I, you know, I married somebody else, you know? Oh! And I was like, man. Damn. You know, damn. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, now I'm fucking pissed, you know? I'm like, yeah. fuck her, you know? <laughs> now I'm, that motherfucker by his neck yeah. now. Yeah, so I go. Come here. That's yeah. what I said. I go, what do you want me to do? Like, go up yeah, and just yeah. grab yeah. him and be like, hey, Mr. General, we need to do this for And she goes, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, you can't. It don't work like that. Like, I'm in Hollywood, and there's 30 motherfuckers, like, around this dude, like, protecting every move he makes and anybody else makes around him. Yeah. You know, it's not like that. I can't just go up, and she's all, why not? And I go, it just don't work like that, man. Like, <laughs> you don't like, know because you're is excuses. not in. You right. need to get in there and do it. So I go, what the fuck do you want me to do? And she goes, well, tell him you're going to go and get the shot. Like, you're going to quit <laughs> now? And I was like. Man, fuck it. So I, I hang up on her like pissed. <laughs> I call my partner. I go, hey, man, tell him we're going to go and get the shot. He goes, didn't you see the email? I go, yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, it said it's over. I go, well, it ain't over. Fuck that. It ain't I go, over. Tell him we're going to go take pictures and don't ask him. Tell them. Right. So he goes, okay, I'll try it. So he calls him back and he goes, hey, Esteban didn't get the shot today, but he wants to go and get the shot, you know, and still keep going. And they go, well, he can come tomorrow because both of them will be there. Uh, you know, and I was like, fuck, man, why didn't they just do that in the beginning? Why did they do the whole he's here on this day, he's here on that day? Like, why all the drama? Yeah. Could have fucking went there the one day and just knocked it out. Right. So he go, yeah, have him come tomorrow. So I go the next day. Me, my assistant, and my partner go, and um, we're waiting there for about six hours. It's freezing. You know, we're in California, so I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, I'll just go in my T-shirt. And Culver City that day, it was overcast. It was cold as fuck. I'm sitting outside, freezing my ass off. I got my Pentax 6.7, which is a bigger format camera, and I have my OG Canon AE-1 that I, that I always use. It's n my old faithful. And then I have the new Canon AE-1. 
that I just bought the day before. So they go, hey, where's the guy? You know, is he ready? And I go, yeah, I'm ready. They go, are you sure you're ready? I go, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> right when I say I'm ready, I look down at my cameras. I look up and the two double doors open up from the studio. And there's Al Pacino and Robert De Niro like first. And there's like 30 people behind him. The director, the, the agent, the publicist, everybody's behind him. They go, okay, where do you want to do this? And there was like a metal uh, roll-up door right there. And I go, yeah, right here. Let's do it right here. So I go, okay, who do you want first? You know, and it was for both of them. But they go, here, shoot shoot Al first. And I and I grab my Canon 81, the Old Faithful, pick it up, and I go to shoot. It's not firing. Oh, oh no. shit. I go, oh, fuck, it's cool. No big deal. I have the backup, the brand new one. Mm -hmm. I picked that one up. I'm firing it, going, fuck, what, what could be wrong? Like, this what is fucked mean? up. And it was it was the weather. They were so cold that they weren't they weren't functioning. Warmed up. Inside, Holy you know? shit! You better so, get your partner over and put them between his legs, warm them up. Right, rub them, put them motherfuckers on your balls. So then I grabbed the Pentax, which is the bigger format camera, and it has like a big click. You know, it's like crack. You know, and it was like, fuck, it worked. You know, I rolled the film up, shot it off, and it worked. But I just brought that as a backup. Like I wasn't even thinking of that you gotta shoot with the gun that works so that camera holds two kinds of film one that takes 20 frames and one that takes 10 so i had the i had the film that takes 10 so i load that camera up and it goes clack, clack and and al pacino goes oh yeah i like that clack, clack. yeah that sounds good you know that's a good one yeah let's do that i he's love like, that he's, yeah he started getting hot yeah. he's like yeah i like that yeah so he's moving like forward and going, Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving back and forth getting into it yeah so he like, likes awesome, this shit bro. he honestly loves this yeah. shit yeah and to break it. the ice with him mm -hmm. you know because you kind of like have to talk to people to right. break the ice like you yeah. can't just go hey nice to meet you stand right there and right, 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 right. yeah you gotta get a relationship so the, the first thing i said was like yeah, you know, I went to Harry Dean Stanton's birthday party that you were at, and I was supposed to take pictures of you there for him because Harry Dean Stanton wanted me to take pictures of all his guests at his party, which yeah. was, you know, Al Pacino. I had the perfect shot of him sitting at this uh, table. It was like a red um, booth with the with the red and white tablecloth, like the old school Italian one, and yeah. he was sitting in the middle by himself with his arms up on the back. Nice with a suit on i go oh fuck like this is like the godfather picture it's over stop so it, i yeah. go get the liaison and he's talking to a girl trying to get her number i'm like hey al pacino's all he's like, yeah hold on hold on <laughs> let me get this girl's number i'm like dude al pacino is sitting in the fucking booth by himself bro he's gonna sit there oh let me just i want to kill this, this bitch's number i'm like motherfucker so i'm waiting for him to get the thing he gets a number. We walk over there. Al Pacino's gone. Uh, so I was, I was blue. Like that was of it. Of course. Like, yeah. The rest of the night was fucked. So I told Al Pacino, Yeah, yeah, I went. I, Harry Dean Stanton. I was supposed to take a picture of you, but you, you know, you left her earlier. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, I had somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah. So, but that broke the ice. He was like, Oh, cool. He's at my friend's birthday. You know, that's a, you know, we yeah, yeah, we're we're good. So I started taking pictures of him. I got like. Um, five shots of him you know five clicks and they go okay bobby step in there so i'm taking an, and uh you know 
Robert De Niro's like going back and forth, like, yeah, what, what, what am I supposed to do? What, what do you guys want me to do? Like, what are we doing here? And he's going like side to side, and Al Pacino's going front to back. Right. So, and you're trying to get focus of these motherfuckers. Right. This guy's going this way, and this guy's going front and back. So <laughs> I'm trying to catch them when they're in the middle. And I love this. You know, it's kind of like you know hitting your yeah, head right, in a right. circle on your stomach. So I'm like, fuck, man. And I'm following mm. them around like with the camera, <laughs> and it's not digital, so it's not spraying pray. Like bobbing and weaving like yeah, Red just, Leonard. Yeah, I'm like, just, okay, click. I got that one. Okay, click. I got that one. And I end up getting like ten shots of them, so I'm like one and a half rolls into it, which is like fifteen shots. And they go, okay, great. Let's go back to the set, everybody. I was like, well, but I, I got five more. Sh like I, you know, I had five more pictures in the shot, and they're all walking away. Right. So the director sees me like, and he goes, get, get five shots with me and the, and the guys, you know? So mm. I took five pictures, you know, he blessed me to be on the set. So I was like, yeah, cool. I took five pictures of him yeah. with the guys. I drive that film to the photo lab. I'm like, fuck, man. You know, this isn't one of those drop off my film and develop them at the thing. This is like, I got to watch this shit. I got to make uh -huh. sure I got the shot. So I tell the photo lab. I go, hey, can I go in the dark room with you? Because I really need to, like, see this shit. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, it's us. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But this is, like, the most important two rolls of film I've ever taken in my life. <sighs> like, can I just watch and make sure, like, when they're developing, shaking the tray, that, you know, the chemicals and you're watching the image come up, I'm like, can I just, yeah, yeah, come on, you know, calm down. You're all right, you know. <sighs> It, you it's know, like you got a winning lottery ticket and you're trying to take it down to cash it out. Yeah, but and, and like I'm like shitting myself, right? Because you know, mm -hmm. of all the shit that happened and like you know I'm unsure of myself, right? And the fucking the image starts coming out. I go, oh my god, I got it. You know, I was like, fuck yeah, I got it. I call my all my partners. <sighs> I'm like, hey, I got the shot. Yeah, you got it. How do you know? I go, cause I'm at the lab. I'm watching them develop it. <laughs> I got, like, the I got the developer I, I got the shot, and they're like, "Okay, great." Like, you know, go take it to the to the office and get it scanned and and send it out. So I take it, send it out. Everybody likes it. They start doing the layouts, and the, we go to present it to the movie company, and they're like, "You know, that's the one. That's the one we we want to use." And they ended up cutting a check, and that was the one that was on all the billboards, all the buses, all the bus stop benches, and it became the DVD cover and. Righteous kill. Yeah. And that was it for me. Fuck, I'm going to run out and fucking go get that right now. Yep. Is it bad? Is that movie bad? Um, It didn't or do too good. Bad. I mean, it was, it was okay, but it wasn't like a Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro. It wasn't good, fellas. Yeah. It wasn't good, fellas. And they're both together in it? Yep. And Damn, somebody right. paid a lot of money to have that happen. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and then those... Yeah. Or they owed a favor, somebody... Called and in a favor. There's like uh, maybe five photographers that have shot them together in the world. Wow, bro. That's wow. dope. That's dope. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, like, this is the original poster here. That's Holy. the second one that they did. And this is the one that we did. I love that. All right. So he's showing me the uh, A and B. He's showing me the original one and the I'm second. I'm showing you B and C. The A one is garbage. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Let's see. Where okay, yeah. Anyways, um, dude, the C one is fucking hot. Right, that's the one that became the DVD cover and all the bus benches and everything. 
I love that. What's it like to see your work on a bus bench? Oh, here's the original one. You see the the canvas? Like yeah. The, and then if you you can't see it on here, but the the writing from like the murderer. Yeah. It was like one of those serial killer movies, and they were the cops. And so there was like the the serial killers writing was superimposed on the backdrop. That was the first movie poster that they came up what with. What was that? They what was it that they didn't want to sell any fucking tickets because they didn't want pictures of, of, of I don't know what the, the main fuck. stars in the goddamn film. Yeah, and then that became the second one, and then the one that we did was the third one. I love the one you that one. And that's that was, fucking hot. That was the one that became the the DVD cover. I love that. That's awesome. You know what? Maybe the most heartening thing out of that. There's story. the original photo of it. Oh, let me see that. Holy shit. That's really Bobby D and Al Pacino. Unfucking believable. Al Pacino. You cannot. Al Pacino. He's got that gravelly voice now when he talks. Yeah. I love the way he's, he's exciting, dude. Look at that. Look at that. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, dog. I love that. That's fucking awesome. You make a fucking shirt out of that. I love that. You know what? The most heartening. I'm going to roll up next to. Uh, All right. right. Now, I'm, now. Very few people have taken pictures of somebody who's the few people that have taken pictures of fucking Al Pacino, and I'm about to do it right now. Yeah, act like you guys are doing something. Yeah. They, okay, all right, ready and all right. Looks good. But see, these aren't the kind of pictures you like to take, Estevan. You like natural, just kind of like just rolling, like whatever's happening, right? Yeah, that and portraits, like documenting and portraits, like documentary style and and then just you know having a person just be themselves that's what i like i like it i got relatives now listen man they're gonna be mad at me but none of them are all that good looking and kind of chunky but they want to pose like like you would think that they were like models or whatever they every picture they want posed and i'm like i want natural just you know you reaching into the chip bag and grabbing some food whatever it is that you do yeah, I don't know. I uh, like natural too. Yeah, I've done family photo shoots, and I don't know. People, uh, they see photos I do, and they think that they're gonna look like those photos. Like they think they're yeah. gonna look like Big Lucky with his shirt off. And Nobody looks like that. You know what I mean? And yeah. They're like, well, how come I don't look like Big Lucky? Because you're not. That's <laughs> why you don't look like that. You wanted your pictures down by the beach with seagulls flying around. Right. We did his photos in downtown LA in the abandoned warehouse, and that was that. That's it. I love it. The most heartening thing about that story to me, like honestly, when you were telling that story, the thing that brightened my entire fucking day was the concept that Al Pacino, after all these years of being filmed and being had his photograph taken and all this media shit that he's probably done for 50 years, however long it's been, he still got excited when he heard the click of your camera. That to me, to me, that means that guy's got a strong spirit. Like if you can still, you hear that and he's like, oh yeah, I like that. And he starts getting yeah. into it. I love that. That's, yeah, he got into it. That's he, passion. Yeah. I love it. Man, I got to say, I, well, right? I just want to say that I'm just uh, extremely glad that Esteban came down here today. Oh. And got this, to hang. This has been beautiful. It's uh, been a... Uh, Esteban, do you feel like we got to cover some things? Is oh, hell yeah. Or? We got fucking... Uh, Sean? Let's yeah. say a good two hours worth of coverage. How about three? 
<laughs> Big time. Dude, I'm telling you right now, man. What did we learn? What did we learn from the great Estevan today, I'm, right? We're going to get to review it more and more because there was a lot. Listen, one thing is if I'm if I'm going to take pictures of anyone that that is my dream or whatever, a couple things. Number one, behind every great man is a strong woman who fucking kicks him in the ass. That's yeah. number one, right? Is that right? I well, it's what I heard. I heard I heard that. Number two, uh bring extra cameras. Bring some fucking sure. extra cameras if you got to do some shit. Yeah. Show up early. Be yourself. Right? Authenticity. Authenticity. It's got to come from that. Above everything. Oh. If you don't got authenticity, you got nothing. You got a sad-ass fucking photo uh, 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 trying to sell your movie or whatever it is, and you have to call in the big dogs like Esteban <laughs> to come down there and take a photo. Right. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. We learned a lot of stuff, but I hope that uh, my listeners got to get a little peek um, a little view, a little understanding of uh, of the depth of uh, of this guy, and not only as a photographer but as a businessman, um, and, and maybe a little history in, in the work and the amount of work and dedication that was, has been put in over the years behind this guy at a time where it wasn't just easy. Right. And uh, I hope that I was able to somehow share a little bit about the integrity of this man. Outside of being a businessman and a great photographer, just being a great partner, a great friend, um, and just a good man all together, you know? And that's why he's in my life. And uh, I just blessed, bro. As I said before, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for Esteban. All right. Hey. All right. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Thank Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. EstebanOriel.com. Go ahead and buy your own L.A. Finger shirt, right? L.A. Finger shirt. Love it. Love it. Love it.